everybody and welcome to episode 547 of Conversation Street, the Conversation Street podcast. Podcast? Podcast? Are we a podcast? It's very wet outside. We're getting there. I thought you said podcast, like it's some kind of, like, doc. I don't know what, we're a podcast, it's been, it's been like a week, over a week since we've done one of these, I can't remember what it is. I am Michael. I'm Gemma. And we are talking about the episodes of Corrie between the 31st of October, woo, Halloween, to the 4th of November. Bang, 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 fireworks night eve. Yeah! It's fireworks night tonight, so um, I don't know whether... It's a very traditional time of the year for us. In the UK, yes, it is. Um, we it's like we, we, it was Saturday evening now, we're a bit late this week, as you can tell. Um, and uh, at some point during the podcast, there may be some bangings. Don't worry, there's not a gun battle outside, it's just our celebration of what we celebrate. What is it, Michael? Do you not remember? Not blowing up parliament, it's our celebration of triumphing against terrorists. Yes, it is. Yes, yeah, 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 like people, evil people like uh, like Griff, no, like, and... like Catholics. <sighs> Um, anyway. Usual disclaimer, my mum is Catholic, she's given me permission to mention Catholics. When it's bonfire night. <laughs> We're, um, talking of Coronation Street, um, it is the episodes 10,000, have I said there? 783 to 10,788 we're talking about today. And um, yeah, that's it. So um, Gemma. Yeah? We have got a competition. Do you oh, remember? we did a competition, didn't we? We did a competition. Well, it wasn't us. It was it was our lovely list of oh, Richard. Oh, lovely Richard, yes. Who had yes. a book to offer, a Coron- Coronation Street puzzle book, um, which he has uh, opened up to say that other other people... He hasn't opened it. Now, closed. hang on a minute, Michael. Can we what? just say, we gave away um, yes. 10 copies, thanks to Octopus Books, because we did a quiz this summer in order to raise money for the Trussell Trust. And uh, Richard was one of the people that entered, and part of what you got when you entered was that you got a book. So he has given his away because he doesn't want to read it. I don't know why he doesn't want to. <laughs> no, he's got too many books. So he's giving yes. away this copy to one lucky person who is going to win his version. And we have selected a winner from the people who have entered. We haven't selected yet, we're just about to well, select. Well, I thought you did. Come on. No, no, I haven't done it. I've got well, a spinny wheel it. with all okay. our names on. Everybody who wants to Can enter, you please? I'm spinning my wheel. So um, thank you everybody who e- emailed in saying that yes please I would like to have a copy of the book but there can only be one winner and according to my spinning wheel the winner is Michelle. Yay! Congratulations Michelle. Congratulations, thank we'll you everyone touch. for entering. You can be in touch with us or something, I don't know. We'll get the book to you, well Richard can get to the book to you. Yes. There we go. We'll sort thank it all out. Thank you very much Richard. What a bloody palaver Michael, you've made this into an absolute mess. What have you been up to this week Gemma? Well I haven't got a quiz this um, episode because I have been... Abroad, yeah. as we call it. That's why we're late this week, isn't it? Because you you've been you've been in foreign lands, getting back late last night, and yeah, you, you had you had three episodes of Coronation Street to to watch this week. Yeah, great. Yeah, uh, and oh, what three episodes they were! We just finished watching them this evening, uh, this afternoon. So yeah, I went to Amsterdam and then I went to Bruges. Was it good? Uh, I really loved Amsterdam. I thought Bruges was very quaint, and um, it was. Really all right, is how I describe Bruges. Um, Nice food, nice chocolates, nice waffles. Hmm. Yeah. We we realised once you got back last night, I said, oh, did you find any places that are on Coronation Street? When Warren Haley went to Amsterdam. And and you're like, no, you forgot to look. And I forgot to ask you to look. But It's all the same. You might have have trodden the same pavement as Haley and Roy. If you go to Amsterdam, you'll know. They're just bridges and canals all over the shop. Lots of bikes. 
Lots of bikes everywhere. Yeah, we thought we might want to rent a bike, but then when we got there, we realised they're quite business-like with their bikes, and I wouldn't want to get in their way, mm. so we didn't bother doing that. Well, I'm glad you had a lovely time. I was I was hearing all about it yesterday because I've been I've been at home on my own this week, fending for myself. Gemma was very kind enough to leave some food in the freezer for I me. I feel like I'm. So I was able to heat up all by myself. Not helping you develop as a person by leaving you food to eat. No, no, it was great to be, no, I, no, I've it been was. skilled up, now that I, they're going to be poaching me for that restaurant job in London now, never no. mind Zidane. When I came back, it was it was quite nice, because I came back and the house was exactly as I left it. Yeah. Yeah, the clocks hadn't changed, even though we'd, the clocks had actually changed when I left. Yeah. Clocks had gone forward an hour, no, not here. The tea towels still left on the floor, there was still cream <laughs> and... and Opened cream and yogurt in the fridge that hadn't been moved. There's I a mouldy courgette that needed to be chucked out. It was just everything was exactly the same. I didn't tidy up. I can you, tell no. that you literally use this house just to sleep in when I'm not here. I basically just came home every evening after school, made some dinner, and and the exhaustion of that just meant I crashed out in front of the TV every I know, but you night. You were coming back like really late, weren't you? No, no, I did a mixture. I did some lates and some earlies. Well, at then why was the tea towel on the floor? Why don't you wash that? I don't know. Right, would you I'm like just to hear... too sad with you not being here. But now you're back and everything's well, joyous again. Well, you can pick up the tea towel. Right, would you like to hear some... Have <laughs> you got some birthdays? Yeah. Yes, we haven't got a quiz, but of course that hasn't stopped people from having birthdays this week. Who have we got to celebrate this first week in November? 5th of November, Derek Bennett, who's Coronation Street's first director. 6th of November, director Quentin Lawrence and Nigel Havers, who played Lewis Archer. 7th of November, Michael Byrne, who played Ted Page. And Danny Young, who played Warren Baldwin. 8th of November, we've got Elizabeth Dawn, who plays... Played Vera Duckworth. Never heard of her. Vera Duckworth. <laughs> uh, and Danny. Oh, hang on. Jane Danson. You played oh, happy birthday, Jane if you know Danson. Jane, you better make sure you've got a card for her. She's a birthday coming up. And 11th of November, director Will Brenton. Happy birthday to all those people. Shall we talk about this week's Coronation Street? Do you not want to mention our bonus episode this week? I can do if you like. Yeah, thank you. We've made a note. I've made a note. Our bonus episode this week was an interview with Charlie Jordan, who played Daisy that we saw dressed up as a box of roses on Coronation Street this week. Thank you to everybody who enjoyed that. I've I've discovered over the past week that there are some very um, ardent Charlie Jordan super fans out there, aren't there? When I put up on on Instagram and Twitter and that on the, on Sunday, that was an interview coming. By gum, they were excited for it. So, um, is this the new? Is, is she the new Connor? I don't know. Maybe she is. But because what, we look, can we just say if you're a Charlotte Jordan fan, we are with you here. We are all Charlotte Jordan fans. So please. You don't need to attack us on Twitter if we say anything about the character. No, we love Daisy. We but really no, I was, I was really happy with how that interview uh, went and how, and how it's doing as well because it's like become our, our fastest uh, growing video ever on YouTube. It's our first, our fastest video to hit a thousand views on YouTube anyway. So jolly nice. I hope you all enjoyed that. Well, I know people did because they wrote comments saying it was lovely. Thank you and thank you Charlotte Jordan for coming on the podcast to chat about Cory stuff. But um, speaking of chatting about curry stuff, Gemma, I'll try again. Shall we talk about this? Oh, week's did I interrupt you? No, it's fine. I'm glad you pointed it out. I do like to put our bonus podcast um, plugs into the episode. Let's do street talk, though. Right, street talk this week then. Um, was it worth the wait, Gemma? You had to go a whole week without watching Corrie this week when you were off on your holly wobbles in Amsterdam and Bruges. So we watched three episodes back to back this afternoon. That was the second time of watching them for me. Well, Monday and Wednesdays at least I saw twice. I had the joy of Fridays saved up for this afternoon. Did you enjoy it? 
today, Friday's episode. Not not so good. I'm I, I'm going to say this wasn't a vintage Rico Coronation Street. Um, there was a lot of summer in it this week, wasn't there? I really thought that last week when um she was in Monday's episode and then absent on Wednesday and Friday, I thought we were having a little bit of a summer break. But no, she's back in full force this week, and it feels like um. They just can't stop showing her. I'm definitely beginning to feel the same way. Well, not beginning. There's no beginning about it. The other people were when they were saying too much feeling on Coronation Street, too much happy on Coronation Street. Because if there's a character that you you don't find particularly engaging or interesting and their storylines don't quite float your boat or tick your boxes or whatever, it can be a bit of a drag and a drain, can't it? I feel sorry for Summer. It's a, it's a really interesting storyline, actually. I think, but they've picked the dullest character. But will this be... I don't think this is going to be the making of her either because no. I feel like... I don't, I don't know what could be at the moment. There's there's so much summer hate out there on the internet at the oh. moment and I kind of feel bad in, in a way I that I know that I am contributing to I it. Know. Although I don't say I hate summer. I just no. don't... I can't... I can't find her character engaging or interesting. And she's there doing her thing, surrounded by other not particularly interesting, engaging characters. Because you've got Summer there, who's just kind of miserable and gormless and making silly decisions and collapsing and being sick every five minutes. And then you've got Billy just there going, ooh, 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 and wringing his hands and worrying and being blind to what's there in front of his face. You've got Aaron, who's, you know good-looking lad and everything, but he's he seems to be just there to be good-looking, tall, again, kind of quite dopey, doesn't he? When when Glenda went up to Summer and uh, Aaron in the pub the other the other day and was like, oh, you two are made for each other. Like, yes, they are, but not in a good way. They just, they just, they're just dull together, aren't they? They're, they're, I can't find anything exciting about them, unfortunately. Um, and then you got, you got Todd, who's usually great, and Paul, but having them together as the three dads dynamic has never really worked for me. And, and yeah, it's just not that, not that interesting, I'm afraid. Um, it, anyway, <laughs> with that in mind, that's how we're going to start off with our summer baby storyline. So look forward to that one, everybody. Next up, though, is something that I think is a bit more engaging for me, much more engaging for me, I have to say. Maxtremism, Gemma. Oh God! It, it's turned into the the, the 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 what did I call it last week? I had a good story name title for this: Spy and Gigs. But it's <laughs> it's gone a lot deeper than gigs this week. Michael, He's there was some the pit of extremism. Very sinister lyrics in that gig. <laughs> that was the funniest line. That was terrible. It was, a, it was a Monday, was it? Or Wednesday? I can't remember. And Peter goes warning David and saying, "Oh, they're a bunch of racists." There were some very sinister lyrics at that gig, and I don't know whether it was a line or just Chris Gas. Goins delivery of it, but it just came across as hilarious. So sinister, those. Anyway, on the whole, I am definitely enjoying that storyline for the time being, so we'll do that one second. After that, we've got the Book of John storyline, slash to murderer he wrote, which managed to shoehorn its way in towards the end there with Hope turning it back on Sam. Next up, Fiddler on the Roof, new storyline title for this week, because um, I think that, that I think that Arnie is a bit of a um, dodgy geezer, don't you? No, I love him. I think he's brilliant. But I think he's I think he is fiddling them. I think that he's uh, he's diddling them and fiddling them and diddling and fiddling. Yeah, getting trying to get all their quid in and out of them. So uh, with that one's going to be next, and then if you if you really found um, those storylines so far not too engaging, just wait until you hear what we got up number five. It's the Sean and Lawrence story. 
where we got a little bit of a Why mystery are you being about rude him about this everything? week. I just didn't think it was a great mix of stories this week. What it can was, I say? It was a lot of stories that look, I like really enjoy I'm enjoying the Max stuff. I think that's great. Okay. And I'm I'm also really loving the John Stape stuff. But can I just say, we we're we're hearing that there's lots of juicy details. Where are they? I know what, we've the seen John them. Stape stuff? I know we've already seen them live on screen, but oh, I just want a bit more gory detail. You want to, you want to make up some. Um... I want to read the articles. Yeah, well, they, they read a little bit on the serialisation this week, didn't they? But oh, yeah, I want to find out some more that he got up to. Anyway, you haven't heard my storyline title for the Lawrence story, because, Jamie, we found out that he, is ma- he was married. Is he still married? He says he's not. He says he's dead, is he? So this storyline is called Lawfully Wedded. Lawrence. Lawrence. Fully wedded. Law. Fully wedded. Ah, no, ah, I don't like ah, it. Don't like that one. Okay, right. sorry for so, that one. So, as we all know, um, Monday was Halloween. Yes, that was good. And I'm continuously, I feel like I'm continuously fighting against people that try to claim that it is an American invention that, that English people have adopted. And I know there was a bit about this, and apparently only racists think this. <laughs> yeah, only Griff realises that, that it's a Celtic uh, celebration. It's not, though. There are, there are plenty of um, traditional, like, especially in Scotland, they, they've done uh, trick-or-treating. It's not called trick-or-treating, but that kind of thing for, for Halloween. It's also a pagan stuff. And also, I just want to point out, my family's been celebrating Halloween for, like... 35 years probably so was, I think they hadn't discovered been, America back then it's been around a long time I know but <laughs> people say it's an Americanism like it's just come over it hasn't no can we just get over it please um, I and did. just enjoy ourselves it, it, if somebody comes over here and says hey guys I've got this new cool thing that's a party that you can do with your friends and have fun are we going to all sit around and go I don't think so it's not British enough for me. <laughs> I don't think so, no. I know, our, our listeners are... Our... Aren't we famous for going around the world collecting stuff we like and bringing it back here anyway? Is Halloween not... We're not allowed Halloween because it's not in the British Museum or something. <laughs> Get over yourselves. I want to... I, I, I want to know, I think our listeners might want to know, do they do Halloween in Bruges and Amsterdam? They had a few bits and bobs. We were there in Amsterdam on Monday and there were some pumpkins carved and... Oh, there was quite... Actually. Do I know this? We story? were wandering. No, we were wandering along, and one of the things that you will discover if you go to Amsterdam or anywhere in uh, in the country that they don't like to close their curtains, and it's a very, very kind of. They think it's weird that we think it's weird, but you'll be walking around at night and you can just see in everyone's windows and it's fascinating. I think it's brilliant. What does Ina Sharples twitch in Amsterdam? She can't. She sees everything <laughs> they've got. To, they say that basically the idea is that they've got nothing to hide so why would they close their curtains? And also some of it is showing off all their cool stuff which I can totally relate to because I like showing off my cool stuff too. So anyway. You like showing off Michael's stuff? Michael's stuff. <laughs> Look sure? at this. Do you want to come and get some of this stuff? Get it out of my hair? Right, Go so... Um, on Monday, we were walking around, and it was in the red light district, because somebody recommended somewhere that was there. Did you find any prozies? I mean, sex workers, because that was another good bit in this I did not coronation like, street. I did not like the red light district, but we did like... We, the place we went to was actually really nice, so that was good. Um, but we wondered what... No, I was just going to ask, was, the, was like the red light district like how you imagined it would be? Because I don't really know what I think it would... I had a different imagination of it but I just I don't okay I don't want to talk about it okay 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 so there was a bit 
that we went to and there was like a dead end and it wasn't really part of the red light district so it was on the end of it so we wandered along and there was nothing there so we had to turn back around and I was walking ahead of everybody else mm. and nosing in everyone's windows because why wouldn't you and I looked up and I walked past somebody's house and it was like an elevated so it's like half a story above okay mm. And um, I looked in the window and there was a man sitting on a chair facing away from me with a towel around, like, on his shoulder, but he didn't have a top on. Yeah. So I was like, he's come out of the shower and he's just sitting in his front room wearing no top. <laughs> so I was like, Rachel, come and look at this, right? So I called Rachel over <laughs> to come and look and she came scurrying over. We both looked up and since I had seen this man, he'd gone. Instead, standing, looking down at us, was a man all in black with a big, like, um, clown's evil face mask on. Oh, okay, and he looked down at us, and I was like, ah! <laughs> <laughs> and then I ran off, and I was like, Charlie Lorraine, come look at this. And so we all were just staring at him, and he was like, going, ooh. And we were like, ah! Nice. So it that, was, that was I, more Halloween-y Halloween than I had. That was very halloween I really we enjoyed didn't it. We did have any trick-or-treaters at our house He was week. having a brilliant time, because he, he was scaring us, and we were like, <laughs> okay um I've got, yeah but as, as we, we diverged away from the amount of cheese and, and chips i ate <laughs> they did have um a bit of a nod to halloween on coronation street i think this they week, did a good they? job i thought they were, they were some of my favorite bits of the week so you had Gemma dressed up as um was she meant to be like a harley quinn or something i wasn't really sure well but she had a here's my other thing about halloween in the uk versus in america mm. Halloween in the in America seems to be an opportunity to dress up in costumes of any sort, which I think is nonsense. If you're going to dress up, you need to be scary. So, um, the fact that Gemma was dressed up as Harley Quinn with blood on her, correct? Yeah, that was good. Yeah, and and she was making all of the clients in the Rovers um, pick something out of a box of costumes as they walked in. Unless you're Adam Barlow for some reason, he managed to get away with it because he looked like a kind of a vampire already without anything. But that did lead to probably my favourite scene of the week, or one of them. Just Roy and um, Brian at the bar. Roy had an arrow through his head. Brian was there dressed up as a mighty pirate. And then in comes somebody from the Rovers with a massive plastic horse's head over them. And he just goes up to the bar, leans on it, and is like, all right, guys. No, was it there? Hello, Kevin, or something. And it was the most random, weird scene, but I absolutely loved that just for the weirdness of it. Kevin standing there with this big floppy horse's head on. So I I'm appreciated only, that. I'm only going to accept Kevin wearing a horse's head because I assume it's the horse head from the. Godfather. Yeah, exactly. It was severed from the bed, and that that scene also had um, that bit where uh, Roy's ordered his orange juice, and Gemma says. Do you want blood orange? And she kind of says it. I don't know whether it was... She delivers it in a way that was like... She wasn't convinced of herself. No. It's I like, like she'd that. been saying it all... Yes, yeah, so did I. I she don't think like... she was acting badly. I think it's no, like I I've been saying she... this to everybody. I'm spooky yeah. today. And then Roy says, I can't remember. Oh yeah, have you got any sanguinella or something? And she says, no, it turns out it was a dodgy kebab. So... I, I thought I that thought was, was that made me scene. laugh. That made me laugh because she, she's like, "How did you know?" I thought that was good. Yeah, and but I'm sure some people hated it. And it didn't have anything to do with any stories, and it was a nice little no. reminder. That it was Halloween. And Thank this is the sort much, of thing Corrie. that people complain about. Corey doesn't do anymore. Yes. Like, what did what purpose did this serve? Did we get any plot information from it? Apart from the fact that Gemma had a nasty case of sanguinello, but it's cleared <laughs> up. No. But it, it added a bit of colour and interest. It did, it did. Yeah. And the colour was orange. 
So, um, we've been putting Blood off... Blood <laughs> I mean, that's what we called the storyline when Tina McIntyre yeah, got no. killed. <laughs> um, we've been putting off talking about the Summer Baby storyline for too long, Gemma. We need to crack on with this A story of the week, and A stands for awful. Right, uh, right. one thing I'm just going to say I'm about this is that um, Summer is a kind of dull person, <laughs> okay, who's yes. he's unlikable, um, and unfortunately... Although I am actually really interested in this storyline, I feel like we've seen it not that long ago because we've been doing this podcast for 10 years and we've already discussed a couple of um, surrogacy stories. We had Toya's surrogacy storyline. We've had Izzy and Gary's surrogacy storyline. It's not it's not new. We've had abortion storylines before. Honest, obviously, when you're talking about something as inherently human as oh my goodness, I'm pregnant and I don't know what to do with the baby. It's a storyline that's going to get recycled over and over again. Mm. Unfortunately, it, it's fallen on summer and so I'm I'm not that interested. I yeah, wouldn't, and I it wouldn't... doesn't seem too long ago since Amy was having her abortion, does it? Yeah. What were you saying? I was just saying that I, I wouldn't mind it so much but it feels like it's a bad character to have picked mm. a story that I feel like we've done before recently enough that I remember it. Yeah. And, and the, you know, maybe if she had had the abortion on Monday's episode, or was it Monday? Yeah, it was Monday, wasn't it? Then it'd be like, oh, well, it's over now. But no, she's, it, it, this is going to run and run. And it's like Coronation Street planned this out a long time ago. I mean, it must have been, summer's been um, a, 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 a I can't even get my words out. Summer's been a, a continual presence on the street, it seems like, throughout the whole of 2022. But it probably isn't the case, but it just feels like it is. They've decided this year is the year of summer. And I kind of get that, you know, last year when we had the hate crime story with Nina and, and Seb and, and, and Asher and everyone, Summer didn't have a whole lot to do in that one, as far as I remember. So they're saying, oh, well, who's going to be the next team that we put into the rotation? Okay, let's make this year all about summer. But... And then they planned out this massive thing where she was going to have her eating disorder and then she's going to get pregnant and, and she's going to have a, she's going to not go to Oxford and everything and they had these meticulous plans for her. And then by the time they maybe got some feedback that the viewers aren't particularly interested in this, it's too late because they're, they're going full steam ahead with it, you know? Mm -hmm. Are they... Are, are Coronation Street hearing that people are finding this I think they can't so help good? but hear it. I, I feel very, very bad about how much I... Um uninterested in in summer as a character i just feel like it's unfortunate also because a lot of the reason that i found her uninteresting is that it feels as though she's she's experiencing a lot of medical problems that kind of feel like avoidable <laughs> and it feels like victim blaming too like i don't want to ever do that and she's obviously having a lot of troubles and and psychological problems that are exacerbated by her medical conditions. Mm. But it's just very hard to feel sympathetic for her. They're just dumping misery after misery on her. And it's aren't all they? biological, and it, and, and it's like... really unfortunate because you know it would be quite a power. It's a powerful thing to talk about, and I don't know how much anyone's really gone into in Coronation Street what a, a toll having a pregnancy takes on your body. 
and Summer is is kind of primed in that in that situation to to kind of explain that to people because she's going to have to deal with the fact that she's also diabetic at the same time. Mm. Um, and uh, you know, Doctor Gallus warning her, you know, this isn't going to be as fun as you think it's going to be, or it's not going to walk be a cakewalk. And I think a lot of women get duped into thinking that pregnancy, because it's a natural process, is actually fine and you'll be okay and i don't want to scare people but you know cancer's natural too it doesn't mean that you want to have it <laughs> you know if I, I just think that women don't get told about some of the horrific things that can happen to you mm. because also i don't think that medical science is really that developed as far as looking into um women's biology they, they there's really so much that but they don't know about how women's bodies work and how hormones work and what happens and how to prevent things from happening to women because women are seen as the other and the, you know, men are the default and men don't get pregnant. So what, you know, we're, we're in a, a difficult situation here where women's biology is just so misunderstood and we're in a new millennium and summer's having, going to have a lot of trouble ahead of her, perhaps. I'd be interested if they just, if they kind of went down that route but also, I think that people I just won't enjoy watching... Her being miserable. Yeah. I mean, if you're going to give a character misery, you've got to make us like them first, so that when, you know, they, they encounter all, all their woes, you kind of say, oh, no, not so-and-so, I really love them, I feel bad that they're going through all of this, and I don't think they they built that up enough with Summer. They didn't make her likeable enough before they slung all this at her. And, like... I was able to, to sit through all of everything that Abby had to go through, for example. And she's been, you know, she was our um, Weatherfield Waterworks last year, wasn't she? Because I really, really liked Abby. But with, with, with Summer, I just like, oh, I, I can't. Well, we've, can't done, a lot of, we've done a lot of preambling here that's really mean about Summer. Also, just want to <laughs> say one more thing. Of go course, on, I'm talking about cis men and cis women when I'm talking about biology. Do not want to exclude anybody. Of course, I am talking about that situation. Right. Let's, so, let's go. Do you want me to do this one? Do I, you want to? I don't mind doing this if you... Go on then. You, you tell us. What's been... Because I really do feel sympathetic, you know, to Summer's situation. It's just her as a person. Mm. And I'm sure Dr. Gaddis feels the same. <laughs> <laughs> and also, I really like the way that we got a Dr. Badass shout out. On Friday, I know. where did that start? I don't know. It was a, it was a surely a fan creation. I'm wasn't sure that it? it was one of these spontaneous things, like how everybody invented the wheel at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> I can't remember whether Badass has been mentioned by that name on the show before. I think she's I've been got called a feeling badass that she before. has been, yeah. but I, I I'm convinced she's that it was brilliant. the fans that called. And her can that I just first. say also again today, a magnificent hair. I need somebody to make a compilation of all of her she's appearances beautiful. because I'm convinced that every time she appears in the show, she's right. <laughs> Different hair. I tell you what, it gives me hope. It really gives me hope. When I get to be a, a badass myself, I'm gonna be able to rock You're some already a badass. sweet hair. You're my badass. I'm not as developed a badass as, <laughs> as the doctor. I tell you what, I think that they are developing as a character this week, aren't they? Because I know. it's like, you want me to be in on your secret no, summer? Am I gonna be a character? No, I love this. She's like, Summer, you're putting me in a very difficult position. I'm going to develop into a main character and I've seen what happens to some of you people. <laughs> I'd rather just be in it for 20 years as like a side character and get my dough, you know what I mean? How long has she been in it? She's been in it a while. I, it must be coming up on close to 10 years because we had Dr. Um, Dr. Matt 
um, was not that Matt Carter who's in classic Coronation Street. What was he even called? I don't know. Dr. Either. Matt, whatever his name was. Um, oh, no, it was Carter. It was Carter because it's Ramsden in ITV3 at the moment. Dr. Matt Carter was in it for the first few years of the podcast. And then Gaddis has been. I don't remember. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then Gaddis <sighs> has been in it for, yeah, She's eight, nine years now. She's Because she does have a first name. It's Susan. But um, she's still credited as Dr. Gaddis at the end of the episode. So maybe this will be the storyline where we get to Susan find. If, if this storyline is leading to the... Uh, to the revelation of every, all of uh, Dr. Gaddas's secrets and her private life and no, everything. No, I don't maybe, want to know. Maybe it's all worth no. it. Gaddas and Crawshaw, I tell you. No, it's like, it's like, it was like the Queen I preferred when she was mysterious. Right, go on then, go on then. Right, what Monday. happened this week? I can't believe we've got... How long are we in? We're half an minutes. hour into the podcast at I'm this sorry, everybody. Okay, right, we're going to get on with it now. So, um, Aaron is a bit um, distracted on Monday Um and Kevin's not very sympathetic to him. He keeps checking in. He's worried about his dad. So poor drunk Aaron dad. Aaron goes to see Summer in the factory and says, I'm... Because didn't his dad, like, go off the booze? He he ended up in hospital, didn't he? He had oh, his yeah, own little his tragedy. Oh, yeah, down. Yes. And he's like, oh, I'll never drink again, maybe. And then he's... Uh, well, he was told, you should never drink again. Aaron's found a can, a special brew on the bed. And it's not Halloween-themed. No, it's just alcohol. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a witch's brew. <laughs> Imagine if all the way through it was a misunderstanding where Aaron was like trying to tell Summer that his dad is a warlock and she was like, he can go to rehab for that, here's £10,000. So you what, Gemma, I'd call that joke a brouhaha. <laughs> Continue. Okay. Um, he's worried. Summer says, you can go, uh, you sort your dad out, I'm going to go to the clinic and get this termination by myself. And so, they do say termination and abortion. And they this use week, it interchangeably. Gemma. They do. Todd gets a text from Summer freaking out. She can't do it by herself. And he's with Sean and George. So he goes off to help her. And um, Billy is sort of helping Summer pack for this appointment. And he cannot believe that Aaron's not going. But Todd's trying to calm everybody down. So they go to get in the car. And Todd says to Summer, this is all your decision. It's only you that can make this choice. You have to decide yourself. So they wait in the room and Summer talks to Todd about Aaron's dad in the rehab and he says, you need to focus on yourself. Don't worry about anybody else. And she says, I wish I could speak to Drew about this. And That's her dad. That's her dad. And this is like, apart from... Her fourth dad. The other day, her first dad. Yeah, dad zero. Yeah. Although, no, actually, no, because she said today that she was adopted, didn't well, she? Well, I'm just about to get to that. Go on then. This is the first time since... Uh, excluding the time that she got the letter from him on her birthday, mm. that she's spoken about him since, you know, yeah. she changed heads. Yeah. So she suddenly he's a really important part of her life. Um, so she's had, okay, right, so she's had Drew, and I assume Drew had a partner, yeah. but he's gone. Yeah. Because, um, so Drew was the original gay dad, plus one, and then you've got Billy, Paul, and Sean, no, no and Todd. Todd. So she's had five gay dads and then one biological father so that's six dads she's on now i know and she keeps no going to hang on she keeps going to um to aaron no your, your dad is going to be part of my family soon so i've got to look after him it's like summer you, you're gonna be the <laughs> seventh she's dad, dad she's just collecting she? dads stop doing it so other people greedy. some people don't have any dads She's, she's having a dad binge, isn't she? She that's is on a dad binge. <laughs> Can't believe it. Summer. Come on. Right, okay. Who are you going to purge? Oh, there's, Paul, a lot you could, Paul. there's a lot you could purge on for, uh, for poor I'd, old I'd purge, I'd purge Paul first, then I'd purge, purge Billy, 
and I'd leave myself Todd. Because actually, I did think it was quite sweet that she chose Todd to be the one to go to well, the uh, I mean, clinic with you know, her. Paul's going to punch somebody, and Billy's just going to wring his hands yeah. until they come Todd off. Todd seems to certainly be the most level-headed of them, isn't yeah. he? Can you imagine that? One day, for Todd, Billy's just going to be standing there going, oh, oh, with his hands, and then one is, it's just going to disconnect. And he's and just going to be there, <laughs> flobbing it around in the other hand. No, he's going to have a little a little screw on the, in the middle of his wrist. Like, Put it back on again. No, that's And silly. it turns out that Billy is one of her robots. I was created <laughs> to be your dad. That's what she does. That's what she's into robots for. Yeah, she's building herself a new I'm dad. I'm going to create maybe. a dad robot army. Maybe, maybe the actual <laughs> Billy died when he fell off the cliff. That and is. ever since then, this that's has the been a thing. robo dad that Summer created herself. The only thing that makes is sense. That making sense, yeah. Okay, right. She goes in to see the nurse and then they come back home later and we assume that she's gone ahead with her plan. And she's had a termination. She's got some pills. She needs to take over the next few days. Billy says thank you to Todd for looking after Summer. On Wednesday, Billy wants Summer to take it easy, but she wants to carry on like normal on her own. And Billy's like, oh, I'm going to unscrew my hands. Billy tells Todd he's worried about how Summer's acting. And Todd says, you need to... <laughs> that makes it sound like it. I know you were just saying what I was on my notes there, but I find her acting very poor. I don't know if she's I don't know whether she can sustain enough. this A storyline. I think she's you know? okay, Michael. <laughs> She's doing a really good job. I just want to say Harriet Bibby is doing a really good job. I think she is as well. Just, I think she is doing it. She's the best material. But the thing is, she? though, you know, not every character is going to be likeable and not every character is going to resonate with you. I was thinking the same thing when Leanne <laughs> came into the room and she was having to go at um, Fizz uh, today. And I was like, you know, You've got to have some people at there who are going to be confrontational, don't you? Yeah. And not necessarily but, sweet little... But but I, I think that yeah, some are supposed to be likeable, although that's the problem, I yeah, think. Yeah, but I, I'm going to tell you too, this might shock you, that some people actually do there like summer. There are summer fans there out are there. are summer fans. Apologies if any of you are listening to this. I don't feel like I need to apologise for this because I want to like Summer. I'm not doing anything wrong by not finding her interesting. I really want to like Summer because I used to love Summer. I adored um, old Summer. Um, and, and there have been periods in New Summer's um, tenure on Coronation Street where I've kind of liked her as well. I can't think of any off the top of my head at the moment. But I never want to dislike any character. That's the thing. I'd love to like Summer. But... This Let's isn't the right way of going about it. it. Todd says, Billy, you need to stop mothering her. You need to be there when she's ready to talk to you. So Summer goes to find Aaron in the garage and he says, I've looked into the rehab thing. It's going to cost at least £10,000. This always happens in Coronation Street when someone needs money. They say, it's going to be at least this amount of money. And then whoever they say it to takes that as the, the, the maximum they need. Mm. That's the minimum. He said at least. Yeah. This is for like... A rehab with like a scary matron woman who like beats you in the shower <laughs> and no lock on your bedroom. You want a 20k one with like your own personalised soap. I thought you were going to say as soon as anybody on Coronation Street says they need X amounts of money, then There's just always some, someone happens to be able to offer that amount of money. Yeah. I need £10,000. Oh, okay then. No, I'll hang on. You got, no, shh, shh, shh. you got to let the universe give it to me. We'll leave it for a bit and see what happens. So <laughs> um, he's worried about it. He doesn't have £10,000. And Summer also, apparently, 
part of Drew's letter that she didn't read out was, P.S. There's no cash. <laughs> Sorry, I didn't leave you anything in the I will. Thought, I thought also, you did. Also, the one thing about my mum is that she lives, she's going to live forever, so don't expect any Granny Spellman uh, cash either. I thought, and we're only going back a few months now, aren't we, that when Summer turned 18, she did inherit something. She's probably blown it all on accommodation for Oxford that she never bloody went to. <laughs> I tell you what, there's probably some foreign student using her facilities right now. She should tell Max. <laughs> tell Max about it and yeah. they can form a group. Yeah. So, someone meets up with Esther and Mike. They are the Christian family that last week offered to buy her unborn child. And if you weren't sure whether they're a Christian or not, just listen to like any line of their dialogue because you can't go five seconds without one of them saying something along the lines of, oh, our little angel, or oh, you've been in our prayers. Or, it was meant to be. It was God's plan. It's, they're, they're, oh. it's fine. That's how some people talk. I know, but I, I, I've... Leave Esther and Michael many alone. Many times before on the Leave podcast. They can't seem to make anybody Christian without making them like uber... Uh, uber, um, uber, 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 Chris. Religion. It's Religious. like Christians don't talk about it in every single sentence, and yeah, they're just they've totally just been making out to look utterly crazy and nutty and bonkers. So all Christians are like that. Um, looks like she's going to go ahead with it, and she's still up the duff. She lied. So they go to a scan, and it's not very clear. But if you watch the scene, they have just had a scan, and Esther's like, one. Esther's like, oh. I'm so excited we're gonna have your baby and mike says we've got a lawyer and he says shut up about it <laughs> uh, maybe the lawyer man was like they it's a lawyer friend of theirs and maybe they were like can we ask your advice and he's like if it's about the baby can you shut up because i don't hear it and they're like okay he's told us we've got to keep it on the download <laughs> okay i think i would think that their lawyer friend should be dd and get her in on this storyline. Oh, what? Baby snatching Dee Dee? Is that what you want to call her now? Yeah. So, uh, everyone keep quiet, quiet about it and we'll pay you whatever we need. you need. And someone's like, £10,000 to start with. Thank you very much. And they look, they kind of like, their faces drop a little bit. Um, and then she explains it's for Aaron's dad, who's an alcoholic. So they are very sympathetic, obviously. I'm surprised, honestly, they didn't recommend like a Christian camp or something to help him. Yeah. Isn't AA a bit religious? I don't... I'm not sure. I've never been. Or the 10 steps? I don't know. Anyway, um, Aaron gets summoned to the cafe and, and Summer says, I've got the money. I didn't have an abortion. I'm selling the baby. <laughs> and, he, and then she's like, what's wrong, Aaron? You, see I'm, you seem upset. What's the problem? <laughs> he's obviously a bit annoyed. Well, he, he looks somber, doesn't he? He's he's in a bit of a between a rock and a hard place here because his his he loves his dad and he wants his dad to get better, but he also wasn't really thrilled about the idea of not keeping his child in his family. Okay, yeah, this is um I like I like the the kind of dilemma that they're set up, set up with. There. I think the, the I think the scenario is a lot more interesting than the characters that are involved. Mm. So he's very shocked. And someone says it's okay because he's going to get back to normal. And this is going to be a bit of a shock for her when dad. the rehab doesn't work. I found it weird that whenever Summer mentions Aaron's dad to Aaron, she calls him as Eric rather than saying your dad. Yeah, your dad. I would never really... No. Sometimes I say your dad's name, but I always feel weird when I say it to you. You don't ever say it to me. You no, always I don't. call him your dad when yeah, you're talking to me. Yeah, I don't say his name. So yeah, that is weird. Because, you know, it's a lot of pressure on on Eric. 
We Aaron's, love to call him. Right? Aaron's dad to sort of know your grandchild's being sold for this one shot in rehab. You've got £10,000. You better not blow it. Yeah, where does Eric seem to think that this money's coming from? Because this this is awful for him. If he finds out that this has happened, it's probably going to put him back in rehab. Going to drive him to drink, yeah. <laughs> I'm, sure that, I'm sure that some people manage to overcome their problems with one round of rehab, but you really shouldn't plan for one and done. Mm. There are many, I've heard many stories about people that have to go several times. We've heard, you know, just look at Peter's story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's, he's had to go back in when he needed to. It shouldn't just, you shouldn't just feel it as a process that's got a, a definite end to it. Mm. When your money from your grandkid runs out, perhaps Aaron should go get a few more women knocked up. Yeah. Quite a lucrative venture. Born himself a little money, money grabbing yeah. thing. I don't know. Maybe sell your sperm, Aaron. You're quite tall. You might you might better get some money for it. Yeah, if he puts his photo with it. Yeah. So who's this chisel jaw hunk? I want that to be my baby daddy. Is that Robert Pattinson? <laughs> it's very Robert Pattinson, isn't it? <laughs> right. He is. So he's not happy about this. And he says, this is going to be really tough on you. Plus, my dad's not your, your responsibility. You need to give the money back. It feels really grubby. And someone's like, no, I want more, I want more dads. This is going to be my eighth dad or something. Later on, some are still panicking. Um, also, someone else doesn't know where Summer is, and um, he needs to find her. But Billy doesn't Billy, know where he is. She is. Summer's still trying to convince Aaron that this is a good idea, and she wants him to talk to Esther and Mike to see that they're going to be good parents for their child. So they have a meeting in Victoria Gardens, and don't worry, it's been vacated since we had the racist meet-up there on Monday <laughs> that, that Peter oversaw, so that's fine. Um, it was really sweet how... It was kind of sweet, but also kind of creepy how excited Esther is well, yeah, to see. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. They're coming across as being really, really full-on creepy. But and if I was no, Aaron, I'd be like, no, actually. I don't think so. I'm just going to say that I can I can uh, f- understand where Esther's coming from. She's tried really hard to have a baby herself and she can't have one. And then this girl, honestly, if I was Esther, I would kind of feel the same way. Has God brought her... If I truly believe that God has a living presence in my life and I've struggled to conceive a child and the Bible's full about full of stuff about, you know, uh, being fruitful and having a family and sharing your love of God with your family and then you also have the story of the handmaid, was it Rachel in the Bible, who birthed a child for her mistress who couldn't have one. That's a story in the Bible. I can't remember. If I'm Esther... And I, and this girl comes to me and says, I'm I'm in a bit of a bind here, hmm. but you, I think you'll look after my baby. If I saw her and I thought this is all I want in life is a baby and she's going to give me one, I'd be thrilled every time I saw her. I'd I, give her a big hug and I'd say she was the best person that ever lived. I'd also maybe consider looking into adoption as well at some point. There's Which... definitely that, but can I also just say that adoption is a very difficult process and... Very complicated and expensive. Have you looked into adoption? Is it more than £10,000? It it probably is. Is it more complicated than selling a baby? I don't know. I've not sold it many. Buying and selling. Not recently. Right, go on. Continue. I'm just saying. I I feel for everybody in the story, but I also can understand that there are going to be people that watch Esther giving Summer a big hug, the same way that people got with Toya, saying, oh, she's so creepy, she's a baby snatcher, but... 
it's funny how lo the love of a child is considered to be absolutely pure and wholesome but as soon as you as soon as it's not your own child that you birthed yourself it's somehow creepy but if uh, but only if you're a woman because let's not forget that every single um cis man who's had a baby he didn't birth that baby it's not creepy that he loves his baby is it no well, I just think women get judged really harshly when anything to do with the babies is involved. I think Esther is definitely looking the creepier of the she's two. She's wholesome. I think she's wholesome. I'm going to say, I totally expect her to turn into a creepy maniac well, in I, about three months' time. Well, it all depends on like you know, thinking about how far ahead this is going to go. And I was still thinking, oh, maybe this will take us until Britain's Got Talent Week when she has the baby. Like, I've got a feeling that Summer's going to want to keep the baby or or maybe she will decide to go through the abortion or something because she can't keep it hidden. And, and, and then Esther is going to go utterly nuts when she finds out that she can't have this baby and also she's probably going to ask for the money back but it'll be all spent it will like she will by ask that for the point. money back I, so, I feel um, like I can will be in her debt I feel like this story was written about a hundred years ago you know mm. I feel like this is a very this feels like a very what quint, what's not quintessential but you know what I mean like archetypal story of that's been told a million times yes because human beings are always the same. Always having babies. We're all, no, but we're all... The human beings are very predictable, aren't they? Everybody in the story is very being very predictable. And there's nothing necessarily wrong with that because that's what people are like. Mm. We all like to pretend that we're all so individual and wonderful, but we're not really. Also very predictable is Billy loitering around Victoria Gardens. He just happened to be walking past, didn't he, when this uh, secret well, meeting was taking place. So this meeting's between Aaron and Summer and... Uh, Mike and Esther and uh, obviously they're thrilled that they're going through with it Summer's just trying to convince Aaron Aaron's not really happy about it and Billy's spying on them and is looking a bit worried so Summer and Aaron go to the pub later and she's trying to tell him that this is all for the best it's going to be hard it's going to be a good thing but he um, he's convinced but he's like how are you going to hide this it's not going to you're not going to be able to hide this from Billy for very long Summer goes home Billy tells her he saw that her with Esther and Mike. She says, I was just telling them about the abortion, but they handled it really well. And Billy's relieved and says, well, you've handled this situation. It was very difficult, but you've, did a, you've done a good job. You were very composed and I'm proud of you. And she goes to her rooms like, oh no. Also, here's my question. Has she told Esther and Mike to not tell everybody that she's going to have their baby? I thought that Esther and Mike were Billy's best friends like two weeks ago. Well, no, but Esther gonna... and Mike are the ones that have told her not to tell everybody about oh. it. Because, well, no, no, no this, Mike was the one that says, my lawyer friend says, let's keep yeah, this know, on the but, down low. Okay, but what, don't tell your dad you're pregnant? Do you think you can manage it? <laughs> Do you not think that they'd say something to Billy, though? I... Oh, it's so lovely that God's blessed us with the baby. I don't know. Do you see what I'm saying? Anyway, Summer is on Friday a bit sick. She's taking the day off again and um, she's getting her insulin pumped. <laughs> she just doesn't ever work, does she? No, she's always having the day off. Uh, Aaron's getting, Aaron's very supportive. He goes to see her, she goes to see him at the garage, he gives her a biscuit, she puts it in her pocket. It's a ginger one, it's supposed to help with nausea. Amy and Amy and Jacob, Jacob spying on her, watching her put her biscuit in the pocket and then going, Mind your own business. So they, Summer goes to see Dr. Gaddis and she tells her that she's still pregnant and Dr. Gaddis is like, well, you're in for a rough nine months, my love, because <laughs> all the stories we've told pregnant women about how great it is, I lie. We can't really do anything about morning sickness, but I will give you a helpful leaflet that tells you to not eat chips. I don't know. Don't go leaving it in any, any places that somebody might find, Summer. 
she says, if you're sick and you're in the kitchen, you can always vomit in the sink. That's a good, <laughs> helpful tip in here. Um, you'll be fine. Don't worry about it. And Summer says, oh, yeah, everyone's really excited. That I've told, and I've told everyone, so don't worry about that. Then she goes home. She's sick in the sink. And Billy, she's like, oh, that leaflet was actually really good. <laughs> <laughs> Billy comes out. And... I know from people, people pointed out online I saw afterwards and I was looking today that they didn't wash, the, they didn't run the tap afterwards. I know, gross. And then Billy goes and makes a cup of tea from the sink that's clearly just coated in sick. Oh, my God. <laughs> right, so Billy is concerned because he thinks she's binging and purging again. And he said, she says it's a tummy bug. And then she's he brings Esther and Mike up and he wants to report them to the police. What about? Well, no, because he knows that they were interested in doing the baby selling. Baby buying, didn't they? A few weeks ago. I think. Yeah. Tell you what, there should be more of this summer storyline just so that we understand it a little bit better. Well, okay, I don't, I don't know. Yeah, no, I think he, I think he realised, he knew what they were trying to do. Amy sees Billy later and says, I saw someone putting a biscuit in her pocket. Imagine, this is the thing, right? How is Summer supposed to live a normal life when people report to her dad she put a biscuit in her pocket? And it, and like, and this is enough for them to like call a dad meeting and all confront her. <laughs> She's got such a bloody hectic life. I feel really bad for her. So she says, no, Aaron, Aaron tried to get me to eat this biscuit, but I put it in my pocket because I didn't want to upset him. When she gets home, all the dads are there. There's only three of them, though. Don't worry, it's not all seven. <laughs> and um, trying to get... Uh, asking her if she's, um, got, you know, back on her eating disorder. And she says, no, no, honestly. Todd doesn't believe her. She says, I just wasn't hungry and I didn't want to eat a biscuit. And they want her to talk to a doctor. And she says, okay, fine, I will. And Billy says, I'm coming with you. Because <laughs> he has no idea about personal space. So they go to the appointment... Here's a question. When did they... How did they get... How did someone get two appointments in one day for her GP? <laughs> this has um, always been the case at that place, hasn't really? it? Really? Well, this is what Tim had earlier as well, wasn't it? Do you remember in the year when he just wanted that little MOT check on his health? Right. And he was able to walk in there. You're going like, to have yeah. to book eight weeks in advance and hope that you haven't died of whatever's wrong with you. <laughs> Considering the amount of medical emergencies that the Coronation Street characters have, you'd think that that must be the same for everyone who lives in Weatherfield. So I don't know why you're not booking your appointments like three months in advance. Mm -hmm. But no, you can just walk in there. She's fine. Anytime, any day. Well, Billy did say, oh, we'll try and get you an emergency one. Although I don't really get what the emergency was. She was sick like, in the sink. It's a little a bit of a tummy bug. Well, they're worried. They obviously are worried with good reason that she's relapsed. And, yes. you know, I will say eating disorders are actually incredibly dangerous. People don't take them seriously enough. So Dr. Gaddis is like, what are you doing back here? <laughs> she says, I have a stomach bug. Wink, wink. And Dr. Gaddis says, do you mind if I just talk to her alone, Billy, please? And uh, he steps out and then Dr. Gaddis is like, well done. I can't help. What am I supposed to do? And she says, lie to Billy. Um, if only, and she says, I can't, you know, I've got to lie about your pregnancy. And someone says, no, no, no. Just say that if they ask you if I've got an eating disorder, just say I don't, which is true. It's just, it's not, it's just a white lie. I'm sure there was, wasn't there a story about when Moira was in it where Gaddas said something that she shouldn't have said? Or is it more, I'm sure either, it was either Gaddas or Moira gave away some sort of information. Oh, no, didn't she know about Dr. Ali in his, um, yeah, she knew about him and his drugs, didn't she, Gaddas? And then did she report him? I can't remember, but 
I don't know. You this don't... is similar. Similar. So she kind of agrees. So Amy and Jacob find Summer and Aaron in the cafe later and Summer is annoyed at her for snitching. And then she has to rush off because Nina is throwing bacon and it makes her feel sick. And Amy's like, huh, it's like she's still pregnant. And then Aaron, <laughs> Aaron's like, Zoom. Oh, <laughs> they found really my secret. Yeah, Amy's saying, Amy's saying she's acting like she's nearly pregnant, isn't she? And Aaron just look, he just looks utterly gormless and like, I can't hide this. Um, and the camera zoom, 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 zoom. And Amy's like, hang on, what's that camera doing zooming in on your face? Is they're she doing, actually pregnant? They're doing a tight shot of your face. Hang on a minute. So they've realised, someone comes back from the loo. Amy says, I know you're pregnant. Summer says, don't worry, I'm selling my baby. And <laughs> Jacob and Amy are like, that's pretty bad. And she says, I can't let Billy know. I have to go ahead with it. And Amy says, well, we might be able to help you. So they've all decided that they're going to move into Toya's old flat together. And Billy's upset. He's worried about um, the fact that he's done an intervention. She's driving her away. She swears it's not. So he goes and gets her some celebration fish and chips. Someone tells Aaron, we need to keep this a secret until Brent's got a talent week where it's all going to come out. Yes. And that was the summer storyline this week. Um, so we, we finally have somebody new moving into Toya's flat. Boo. The, the Toya latest back. group of Bring friends. Bring back Imran. Put them back. Put them back. Toya, yeah. Um... I mean, I guess it needs to be used by someone and why not them? I don't know whether it could be for the better that Summer's getting away from Billy because maybe that's maybe that's what I'm maybe that's not what enjoying about it. And she just is utterly smothered by him mm. and and Todd. And, although, is he going to find his, keep finding his way up there now? I don't know. Um, because it's... Are, are, there, are there flats, like, connected through the walls? Can he, like, be, will he be listening up to the wall and hearing what's going on in the flat? I can't just trying to get my head around the geography there. I'm sure they're, sure. Sure they're joined. Um, but the, the one good thing that has come out of this, though, is that Amy and Jacob are possibly getting involved. And I do like both of those characters. I think Alma Vaney's brilliant as well. And that I, I don't think either of them have had an awful lot to do this year, have they? They kind of got together at the start of the year and it was all very sweet and everything. But um, they've been off screen a lot in the last six months. So this could be quite good. And and I don't think I'm the only one in thinking that they're a good couple. It feels like they're quite popular. So our Coronation Street saying, well, if we put if we put Drippy, Summer and Aaron with the cool couple, is that going to make people like them more? I don't know. And... Amy is quite a um, straight talker and, and maybe, I mean, she she was the one, she was able to guess within seconds that Summer hadn't had the abortion, which Billy hadn't twigged despite the numerous clues that are being flowers, flaunted no, in front of his face. I just is, is, say, Amy, is Amy going to be uh, tell Summer some truth that she needs to hear? I think Billy thinks that she's suffering from some ill effects from the medication. Yeah, yeah, I know, I know, but and don't you think? Do you think? Are you, how are you feeling about the inclusion of those two in the storyline? Could this could this make it a bit more tolerable? They just need Summer and Aaron. Just need somebody else to talk to, don't they? That aren't each other about the situation. Mm. So the fact that these two are going to be there for them to 
to sort of share their thoughts mm. with. I don't. Good. Um, I can't remember whether Amy brought up her pregnancy. She didn't today, did she? No. So the fact that Amy a couple of years ago was up the duff herself and she went through with an abortion, I guess that might get brought up. It would be a bit silly if it wasn't. So it might make some kind of thing or, you know, I, maybe I don't want to be... I know she's not going to be tied down with a baby or anything. She's getting it, getting rid of it to Esther and Mike, but I don't want to go through pregnancy. Um, I don't know. I guess it might get brought up. And also... Um, similar storyline as well. Wasn't Amy sold as a baby by or attempted to be sold by Tracy to to Roy and Haley, and now she's being involved in a, a baby selling storyline of Summer twenty years later. Mm-hmm. Interesting. As you said, I these think a universal stories <laughs> selling buying and selling kids. <laughs> I think it's I think it's interesting that we've learned that Summer was adopted because I always thought that perhaps I just assumed that perhaps um, Drew was uh, had had Amy Summer, Summer um, in a conventional way. I don't <laughs> when know. he was younger. I just assumed that she he was her biological child, and Dad. <laughs> yes, and the fact that she's adopted, I think, is uh, you know another perhaps another um, storyline avenue that they might go down with her at, at some point because. Um, she's going to have to come... She, she, Esther and Mike are going to have to, at some point, decide, is Summer going to be part of this child's life? Or is the child ever going to know who her mum is and father is? And what are they going to do? What are Summer and um, Aaron going to do if they stay together and have another child who has a, a full-blood brother or sister who doesn't know who they are mm. don't, don't children have a right i don't know if it's a legal right now i'm pro- pretty sure the laws have been changed that you you have a right to discover your your parentage and the other thing to, to consider is that um there are certain biological reasons to have a history of your your parents because we're learning more and more about genetics every day and they can look at your genetics and say it's not just oh do you have a you know do you have a history in your family of heart disease or something they can literally look at your dna now and tell you you've inherited this this or that yeah and i guess they don't need the parents though to look at your dna so Mm. interesting it's just something to yeah yeah oh yeah i I think it is going to go down the route where that she's she's Esther and Mike will want their money back. I I can't see them keeping hold of this baby. Well, in the I can also imagine some. You know, if we want to make Esther and Mike into some kind of evil villains, they might you know say that Summer says she wants to keep the baby, and they might sort of turn on her and say, "Oh, we didn't want you anyway. You're damaged goods. You know, you're Aaron's got an alcoholic dad, and you're mm. diabetic. We don't want a baby from you." Yeah, I can imagine them turning. Uh, but I also think that Aaron might be possibly the one that. Um, Blabs about the baby sale because he really seemed like he was getting shoehorned into this. We well, uh, never had an, into this. He never had he? a opportunity to really say no, what he I feel f- I feel bad for him, and um, I mean I know that he was he didn't go along to the appointment at the clinic. I wonder whether had he gone there, would she have still gone through with the with the termination? Because it it felt like the only reason she changed her mind is because. Um, Todd gave her a little bit of a pep talk before she got in the car. So maybe if Aaron had been able to go with her, they wouldn't be in this mess at the moment. But but anyway, yeah, she she's made the decision and she's, you know, perfectly within her rights to do so. But I do feel bad that he's 
not really been consulted. It's it's kind of a a done deal, and this is what I'm doing with your child, and you can it's kind of you can like it or lump it, really, isn't it? So um, yeah, watch this space. I would say for Aaron, I think he um he might change his mind or or tell somebody about what's going on. I don't know. To yeah. Wait and see. Have to wait and see for that one. We said enough. Um, I think we've talked about, about this story for the time being. Let's get on to um the more interesting story. I would say the extremism story. Now this there's a bit of an interesting story behind this one anyway, isn't there? Because this was um this was revealed in a press release um Thursday before last, wasn't it? It just appeared one night online, Coronation Street, saying we're doing this extremism story with Max. Yes, when we well, did the podcast last a... week, we did know this is where it was going to well, go. Uh, but It still hasn't gone there yet, so this is actually a bit of a spoiler, but I think it's obvious. Well, yeah, it's, it's clearly... It, I, I don't know much beyond what they've actually said, what's happened on the programme, to be honest, because I only kind of skim-read it because I didn't want to be spoiled too much. So, yeah, it's... But it is... Um, for, for whatever reason, the... Um, this wasn't revealed to the press in the synopses because we get we get the synopses sent through every week for the following fortnight and this story wasn't in it so when this big announcement came last week it was a big surprise to me as well and it was i just found it very interesting how they only announced this story is happening literally the day before it happened and it reminded me a little bit of how they did it with um the Aiden suicide story where they kind of made a big thing about this storyline is coming up soon. Look at us. This is a big, interesting and important um, issue story. And you know, I don't know why they've done this particularly, but um, it certainly seems to be something that Coronation Street wants to um, have as the next big storyline. From um, bits and bobs that I've picked up from actors and people talking about storylines that never happened... I think they've been trying to do something along this line for a very long time. Yeah. I think that this has raised its head a few times in the past. There was even something with um, Katie. Katie Jason's mum. Yeah. Chesney's. Yeah. What there was, was something. I'm sure that there was something to do with, with that at one point. Was there? Maybe I should have said okay. anything. No, no, I don't know. But... I, I'm pretty sure that this has been on the to-do list and they've just been waiting for a re an opportunity to have somebody who they think is going to... It's going to make sense, the character, the situation, the actor's good enough and strong enough. And I think that this feels like all of those things have, have come to pass. Yeah, everything everything you? has aligned. The stars have aligned for this one. So let's 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 um do the synopsis first, then we'll talk say what we think about this. There's probably lots to talk about here. So it starts off with a familiar scene of Max getting pushed around by his prue bullies on the way to school again. Um, and then, so he heads over to Victoria Gardens, and on his bench, um, Griff comes along. <laughs> and this is where he's huffing and puffing, isn't he? And you, was, you were watching it this morning. Who's making that noise? I couldn't hear. I couldn't and work Griff's out. Griff's just like, ooh, <coughs> and, then he's, and then he's talking about getting a little dust in his lungs. I don't know. But anyway, he gets chatting um, to, to Max. Oh, no, that's not... Sorry, that's a bit later on. It's Bider he talks to first, and invites Spider along to this Halloween party. Maybe he wants to dangle him from a fake cobweb or something. Anyway, Spider seems quite interested in the fact that it's going to be a lot of people there. Obviously, as a um, the investigating officer, he's trying to get the inside skinny on what's going on at Racist HQ. This is his perfect 
a chance to um, get the goss on the local right-wing environmentalists. So um, later on, Griff overhears Max telling David um, what happened about the bullying. David's found Max with a bloody lip, and Griff is like, how interesting. And this is when he then goes and finds Max on the bench in Victoria Gardens, gets chatting with him, and is like, oh, you're, you're playing hooky from school, are you? Yeah, school's a load of rubbish. Those teachers, I, they don't know what they're talking about. And Max is like, yeah, they're a whole bunch of meatheads. The one thing that I think that the story is going to struggle to do really well is to, um, you know, get the sort of the language and the real grubby... Um, real dark side of it on in the well, in the eight o'clock I'm gonna use a word that people slot. probably won't like but honest like honestly how do people honestly really talk about these things and it's not yeah what what are racist that... Halloween parties actually like <laughs> was it like way... this one I don't know <laughs> but anyway Max is like oh yes teachers oh they're, they're old rubbish aren't they and um, and then Peter comes out of the co-op and he sees them um, chatting together looks a little bit concerned um, honestly if I was a character on Coronation Street I'd really reconsider my choice of secret meeting spot we've had this because We've it's pretty guaranteed that somebody who you don't want to hear you is going to walk past when it's yeah. happening, isn't it? Anyway, um, this conversation soon, soon turns to um, Max's school place and the fact that he wants to go back to Weddy High, but Darian, this refugee, has taken his place first. And, um, and Griff's like, oh yeah, they're always taking people's places and everything. And Max is like, oh, I really hate the Prue as well. And Griff says... Um, um, yeah, I'm not surprised. Um, this is when the two bullies, I can't remember what they're called, uh, they come out of the shop as well. And he's like, oh yeah, what a bunch of idiots they are. They need teaching a lesson. Um, so then we cut back to Spider and Toya, who um, already is getting massively sidelined in this story, isn't she? But I guess that's part of it. She feels that she's being pushed out because Spider's always doing his undercover stuff. Not that Toya knows that's what it is. So um, she's in for a nasty shock in the near future, I think. Um, because she wants to, <laughs> she wants to go to this Halloween do, doesn't she? I can't remember what it was that she, what it was supposed to be. And then she has a line saying, "Oh, whatever it is, I hope it's better than that fiasco that Debbie organised last year. What a nightmare!" And I'm like, "Toya, are you talking about the um the the big event where sinkholes opened up, where Natasha was shot, where your sister was kidnapped, nearly shot?" Um, and, and a crazed gunman went on the loose and she's just saying, what a fiasco that was, you know? Nightmare. She's a nightmare. <laughs> what a nightmare, Ato. I hope this one's better than that. Anyway, um, he, she, she's decides to go off on, to do this on her own, whatever she does in the end, that doesn't matter. Anyway, Spider said he's, he's going to this other thing. I can't remember what excuse he comes up with. He said he had to meet up with his friend, didn't he? Did he? I, maybe I'm probably right. So anyway, Griff goes up to the bullies and pushes them onto the floor, giving oh, them a bit wow. of a taste of their own medicine after they did the same with Max a few weeks ago. And um, he gets proper rough with him, doesn't he? Mm. And he's like, pins him down and pretty much leaves him in no doubt that he needs to leave Max alone. So uh, they, they end up scurrying off at saying, Max, you're dead. And Max is like, oh, crikey, they're not going to be very happy with me at school now. So um, he's a bit worried that they're going to start coming after him again. And Griff says, don't worry, here's my phone number. You just get in touch with me if you want me to... Um, deal with them again and by the way I've got a, a racist I mean I've got a normal Halloween party totally going normal. on tonight totally normal um, you can come along if you want and 
although they've only known each other for a few scenes, Max is already, um, you know, he's in this guy's debt and he's, it's kind of sweet in a way because like Max, he's, he's smiling a lot this week, isn't he? He's like, I've got some friends. He looks like he's in love. He does, he does a little bit. He's a little, he's very, very enamoured by this Griff guy. Um, I think it's just because David's not been listening to him or believing him and, and, and he's, you know, he's been quick to, um, suspect Max of various misdemeanours over the past few months. And here comes this this guy on the street that seems to be, you know, on his wavelength and offering him a, you know, a bit of companionship. Mm-hmm. Um, and and this, is, this is how these things work, I, I, I think, mm-hmm. I, I guess. Anyway, so um, he's, he's going along to this party tonight. Um, Spider arrives at the party first and uh, he's there with his costume, isn't he? What did you make of Spider's Halloween costume? <laughs> Pair of specs. You said, who's he supposed to be? Because when we were watching it this afternoon, that was the second time that I'd seen it. And yeah. I was like, oh, you'll see. So, um, Peter Parker, nice idea. No, it's not, is it? What? It's like, oh, it's me, Spider. I'm dressing up like I've got a job reading the papers. But I'm short-sighted, so I've got to wear glasses. <laughs> I thought it was a nice idea to have him as Peter Parker. I would have I preferred like... if they'd squeeze Martin it's into rubbish. a uh, Spider-Man costume. I didn't get but... it. It's crap. I liked it. I thought it was um, funny. I and, think uh, the guy who didn't have a costume, he should have just said he was Adrian Mole. But maybe that's too old of a reference now. Because <laughs> what else did we have? We had, um, somebody was dressed up as a crusader, weren't they? I thought that was a nice touch. <laughs> I bet then you were, but then for the other costumes, it's like they couldn't bother. I think the man who was dressed up as one of those felt a bit overdressed because everyone else was like, I'm just wearing my normal clothes, but with a pumpkin mask over the top or a skull do. mask, or I'm going to have some devil horns on. <laughs> but anyway. Not everybody's Heidi Club, Michael. I know. Oh, yeah, she dressed up as a giant worm. Well, Gemma, I'll just warn you now. Well, not warn you I, I titillate you and tantalize you part of this week's uh, cabin section on the podcast is going to be our annual what did coronation street stars dress up was for oh, halloween nice. parties I, can't this, wait. Yeah? I haven't seen this because i've I, not yeah, been no, no, in you the haven't. country no <laughs> yeah they've just been walking down the street here you missed them <laughs> um anyway spider turns up at, at this party uh, and before long griff has brought max in as well and is telling um all his racist mates what a great lad max is hang on a minute we've got no evidence yet that these people are racist and it was a racist halloween party but we know, we know, don't we? We now know. And Max is Max is just like really enjoying it because he's like got Griff's arm around his shoulder and, and, and Griff's saying, oh, you know what? If these if kids like Max in the future, then, I'm, then the future's all right and everything. I thought it was very interesting, the dynamic between Max and Spider because this was one of those rare occasions where you have two characters on the street that shouldn't really know each other and they don't really know each other very yeah, well. They don't have each other's phone numbers in their in their in their contacts list or anything because they Spider clearly recognizes Max. Max doesn't, I think, recognize Spider straight away. Um, and I just found that incredibly refreshing, really. Yeah. <laughs> because everyone always seems to know each other. Um, anyway, maybe it was those glasses that Spider was wearing. That's why I didn't recognise Max so much. Is that not his prescription or something? Um, Spider ends up speaking to Max, though, because he's just like, oh, yeah, I, I, I do know you. You're, you're Max Platt, aren't you? And yeah. And he's like, oh, my name's Turner, actually. Um, and, and Griff gives him the history of Turner saying it was something to do with Laves. working a lathe or something. Of course I don't it know. is. Well, I, is it? Yeah, carry on. I don't know. I don't know this. Um, and anyway, um, what happens? Oh, yeah, this is when David phones up Max. So Griff gets everybody well, to look, turn the music down. You, know, you understood why that was brought up, don't you? 
Oh, as what? It's what do you mean? Why what was brought up? What his the origin of his surname? No. Well, Griff is setting. Uh, what's the word? He's kind of setting the the sort of foundations for where this storyline's going to go by appealing to to Max and sort of talking to him about his heritage. Oh yeah, yeah and yeah. sort of linking it to, you know, the history. Good old honest. Well, hard you know, here's us. You know, our hardworking, honest English Northern. Um, yeah. You know, we've been here for generations, working the land, breaking our backs. We built this country. You can just imagine this is what he's saying. And then you get somebody like... I've forgotten the kid's Darian. name. Darian. coming in. And he's, you know, the, the argument's going to be he's leapfrogging. He's jumping over yeah. all of the hard work. Your relatives, you know, Griff would say, your, your family, some of them probably died in the factories trying to earn a crust Mm. To, for you to be here today and then this guy's coming in and stealing your job yeah i don't think so yeah no, that, just, that makes that, sense that, this is and it's all very innocuous it starts off in a very kind of you know innocent sort of way where you think you should be proud of of who you are and you know the, the surname turner you should be interested in your family's history and learning about things you should you should want to know about the the industrial history of the north and be proud of of that, but acknowledging some of the the awful parts of it too, but not using that as a as a weapon or mm. or a reason to feel like you're so superior to other people. Yeah, yeah. No, you're right. You're absolutely right. Is it? I don't know. Well, that's why. I, I, th- I think I, I think you're correct. Yeah. So anyway, David phones up and Griff gets everybody to turn down um, the volume and everything and be quiet. I think if I was somebody else on this party, I'd be like, Yeah, but no, no, <laughs> this kid? yeah. But again, you know why he's doing that because he's creating a group dynamic whereby Max is aligned yeah. with them as a, as a, as a, and they're, they're all doing him a favor, you know, in inverted commas, they're all helping him to lie to his dad. So Griff has established very early on and very effortlessly that it's them versus Max's family yeah. and that they're all going to do whatever it takes to help Max to, and protect Max against his family as though his family are the, are the enemy and he's done it in such a simple, very, very effective way. I just thought it was unusual how soon they had been, you know, Max had been in the room that everybody immediately was like, yeah, you're one of us. Yeah, but how do you know that this wasn't just, as they had not all been primed and knew that this was a new recruit? Yeah, yeah, no, I guess so, I guess maybe. And yeah, so anyway. You know, and also the other thing about this too is that this is a very, con- this is going to be a condensed version and a theatrical version of how these things actually play out in real life. Mm. It's not going to happen, you know, over a course of weeks or months. It's going to be years of this. Yeah, I mean, they might do. I mean, because the one of the things with the coercive control storyline a couple of years ago was just how long it took them for it to happen. So um, they might want to go be playing the, the, the long game with this one. I don't know. But yeah, you're well, right. I'm saying... I think there's going to be a bit of a creative license possibly with uh, with how quick everything happens but anyway so so max is on their side they're on max's side he start oh, he tells david what was that he, he tells david um oh i'm an av club and griff is very interested by the fact that um max can make films and everything like that so um it seems like before long he's going to be persuading max to make some kind of propaganda or something do you think um he's going to ask him to make some kind of video, isn't yeah. he? About something or other. Yeah, and and, and, it's, and it could be one of these things that Max is initially like, what's this? 
and then he'll say, "Well, if I thought you were, I thought you were cool, thought yeah, you were one yeah. of us." There you go. Um, so yeah, I think that's definitely going to go down that kind of route. Um, anyway, um, Griff and the guys kind of talk to Max about him getting kicked out of school because he spoke out about this prosy working there. <gasps> uh, yes. Um, and uh, then they, this is when they talk about the Celtic origins of Halloween. So there's just lots of little bits kind of dripped in um, that show their ideologies, I guess. Wow. Um, what? The fact that they used again, it's it's all been condensed in, but it's all works perfectly. This is exactly how they would do it. So yeah. Max is sort of feels like he's been victimized because somebody, you know, he, they say prostitute, and then someone says, "Well, we got called the sex worker now," and so they're setting up again us versus them, people who you know yeah. use. The woke meisters, as yeah, they would put like, it. He, he tried to use words that people say, I actually prefer to be referred to in this way, or, mm. you know, he's setting up a dynamic where it's anyone who tries to be good mm. or or politically correct, I can't think of another word, or woke, I can't think of any other ways of describing it than that. Yeah. Is it's them it's them against us. Yeah. And yeah. and you and you, Max, you understand that they they're not working in your best interest, are they? Because you've you've had brushes with these sorts of people, and no matter what you what nice words that you've used to describe them, you're still a victim of their actions, and you're suffering, and they're laughing because you've been punished, and and they have triumphed over you. Yeah, exactly. It's so painfully easy to take somebody like Max, who's feeling like they're a victim, and and making them. Um, feel like they've got an enemy and it's happened in history in very famous uh, examples but also in very mundane and and uh, it's always a tragic outcome isn't it mm, mm. Um, so th- this is when they um, then dress him up as Charlie Chaplin by putting a bit of gaffer tape over his uh, top lip and uh, borrowing somebody's clockwork orange hat and they're like saying oh don't take your hat off otherwise people are going to give you funny looks so he's there and I thought that that was quite chilling when they put that moustache on him and the first, when I was watching it on my own the other day I was like are they really are they dressing up as Hitler it's like oh no it's not but um, I thought yeah so I thought that was very well done it was um well again can I just say that they're, they're pushing the boundaries again yeah. aren't they they're saying you they're seeing what he's okay with that they're, they're dangling mm. things in front of him and seeing how far they can push it and so far, Max has not challenged them on any no, account. No, because he's happy to have some companions. He's ha- he's he's in a vulnerable position because he he's friendless and alone, and they're giving him companionship and understanding. But also, there's an age gap here too. That is is a very significant part of the story where he feels he's of that age where he's been taught that adults are superior to him and he should listen to them and they're going to guide him and they're going to help him. You know, we all get taught that when we're younger and we look to adults to guide us and help us navigate, especially at this time of his life where he's starting to think about what he's going to be like when he's an adult. Because it's very soon for him, you know, basically is an adult, Mm. not in in a few years time. And so he's he's kind of very vulnerable to being influenced like this. And they Mm. all know, they, Griff knows exactly what he's doing. Yeah, yeah. And again, same with Jeff, I don't think he's sat down and decided this. I think he's got a predatory nature that is part of his 
DNA almost. Mm. I think that some people just min- are very, very good at manipulating. But also, you have and to I don't think... think that you need to know how you're doing it. The same way that if you're fantastic at running, you don't need to know how the physics works. You just know that you can do it. But I do wonder whether you know are we are we going to find out? Did this happen to Griff as well? Like, was he brought into this CD dark world by? Somebody when he you know well, it's difficult years ago. because then you're you're setting up the the question of when does this when does Max turn from a victim into a victimizer you know mm. when where's the line that you can draw and and it's the same thing with people who have been uh, trafficked or abused or you know sexually assaulted as children sometimes they can grow up and perpetuate the cycle of abuse mm. how much are they to blame. How, how how can you break this cycle? Yeah, I'm I'm assuming they're not going to try and get get any sympathy, sympathy sympathy for Griff in this. Story, there might be a throwaway line at the very wonder. end before he jumps in a bonfire and kills himself or something. <laughs> but you know what I mean. Um, so then everybody's we... got a reason. There are no truly evil people in this world. Yeah, really. some, something has happened to Griff in the past to make him think this way. But there are evil Either deeds. it was a person that said something to him, or did he just read that book that he lent Max on Wednesday? Yeah, or... exactly, we don't know. But there, are, there aren't there truly evil people, but there are truly evil deeds. And it's scary to think that how vulnerable we all are to being susceptible to somebody who t- could take advantage of us when we're in a very vulnerable state and see what they could you'd make us think and believe. Mm. And if you think that you're immune to it, you're probably more susceptible than you think. I'm, I'm definitely it's looking terrifying. forward to seeing how far they push this. The psychology Max. behind it is terrifying. Yeah. And I don't want to, I don't want to excuse anybody and I don't want anyone to think that I'm sympathetic to people. Um, you know, racism. I just, I just feel like there's a lot of complexity here. Mm. And it's very interesting how quickly Coronation Street is being, I think, rather clever about showing how this is set up for Max to kind of almost... And I also do wonder, where is Max going to go with this? How far will he fall? Is he going to be... Is he going to work out what's happening? Because it... I don't know. I, I, I just, I'm oh, trying... I'd like to hope not. I, I yeah. want to see them really push the boundaries here. Um, it is... Maybe going to be difficult to up? do it in a pre-water shed slot, but apparently Hollyoaks have had a, a, a very similar extremism storyline just recently. I know absolutely nothing about no, it, but know. knowing how Hollyoaks is quite good with the with the issues and with you know they've got their finger on the pulse with the youthful audience that maybe sometimes uh, we think Coronation Street is trying to woo um, and, and and be down with the kids and everything. Um, I yeah, I'd, I'd very much like to think that Max is going to be pushed to doing some very dodgy, dark deeds. But how far can this. you redeem somebody? I I think pretty much anybody can be redeemed for anything in, in this fiction. Show, to be in, yeah, in especially fiction. when he's clearly the victim at this point. He's going to see the error of his ways at some point. I've got no, I do not believe in the slightest that he's going to now become some irredeemable racist. He's going to go down a very dark path. He's going to realize what he's done is wrong, and then he's going to come out and it'll be normal. And, and and maybe he'll have learned a lesson from it all. So if you're going to go down a path, let's see it pro- go properly dark. Let's go. Let's go full on KO dark here. Come on. <laughs> anyway, this is when Peter comes round number eight and says to David, 
Some sinister oh, lyrics at the band the other day, the gig the other day, and David's like, oh, yeah, no, he, no, he, he didn't come around to tell him that. He just says, I saw, I saw Max hanging around with Griff earlier. He's a racist, and he goes to racist gigs and has racist music, and he sings um, along. And he, yeah, and he's probably got like racist tattoos and everything. Yeah, and yeah. David's like, what the hell are you on about, you massive conspiracy nut? I don't believe you, but See, uh, yeah, whatever. If again, you... this is a problem with um, what. I'm speaking for white people we don't see a lot of this that happens David's reaction is it feels very normal and um, honest to me because I just wouldn't believe this existed if somebody came to me and went mm. your kid's going to a racist gig I'd be like this, what do you mean a racist gig I think, people yeah. don't sing racist songs in community centres you're mad I there's no such right. thing the, the, the one thing that did the amount me... of people that will sit there and tell you there's no such thing as racism nobody's racist in this country everything's fine we're all happy and we'll get along and it's always white people because they don't we don't see it because mm, yeah. unless, because we're it. not ra- like because I'm not a racist I don't hang around with racist people so I don't hear it and people aren't racist towards no, us no of course so we, we're like so lucky and blessed and we and privileged and we don't even realise it mm. and David is just embodying that kind of blissful ignorance of what do you mean nobody's like that anymore I did the one thing that did strike me as a little bit odd though is how he wasn't more um, surprised or no the, the, just the fact that Max was hanging around with this dude I'd be worried about the fact he was an older man to yeah. be honest yeah. I, would, I would find it utterly suspicious to know that my teenage son was hanging around with a man who looks to be in his 40s yeah that's not usual especially you know after the experience that he had with evil rapey josh a few years ago thinking and, he's being groomed or something. and also you know when sarah louise was younger she was groomed by um gary off the internet wasn't she yep. not gary windass he's a saint um evil <laughs> evil, evil internet gary so yeah i'd have thought that he might be a bit more worried about that but anyway family is genetically susceptible his, um, to grooming david's got enough on his place because his wife's um getting unusually large in the belly area and nobody seems to be realizing um anyway so um, no he's just thinking i can i can sell this baby (laughs) i don't think she's realized that she's showing us up the duff maybe she'll fall asleep have the baby without realizing it i could just take it away and sell it yeah at the market yeah well you know i speaking you know summer was wondering how am i going to um hide my (laughs) pregnancy from everybody i think that she should get some tips from abby because she did a bang up job earlier this year didn't she of um being pregnant and not even realizing herself so um yeah she needs to talk to her where is abby somebody please she's been in about one episode in the past four months no wonder aaron tyrone and um, Kevin are stressed at the garage. Yeah, exactly. She's off. She has. She, Abby is totally buggered off. Taking the mick. <laughs> um, anyway, uh, back to the party. Spider comes along to Max, whips off his moustache, and says, "You need to stop knocking back the beers, matey." Also, I think it's time that you went home, isn't it? Um, I don't think it's a very good idea you being here. He's like. This was a this was a a fly in his ointment, really, wasn't it? He's come here to investigate and take down this bunch of extremist um, environmentalists, and now Max is here, and uh, he really wants him to go home. and um, And then, of course, Griff comes up to him and says, "Oh, why is that a eh, Spide?" And Spider says, "Oh, well, you know, it's a school night. We need to keep Max on our side. We don't want people getting suspicious about him staying up late at night." And Griff's like, "Yeah, yeah, that's a good point." So, um, Max, you need to be careful. You got a brain in your head. You need to look after it 
Um, so Spider offers to take him back home to the street. Um, so Spider returns to Toya. Um, she didn't go to this thing in the end. Um, she just, uh, and then she goes and... Um, what thing was it? What, this, this party she didn't go to at the end. This thing that's that's not as as bad as the fiasco that Debbie organised Oh, yeah. Year. Was it Scream... Scream... I just read her scream. Or, scream. I don't. I, I don't know. I, anyway. I thought the tickets looked cool. Um, anyway, she needs to pop out. Was this when she was cooking a, a sweet potato? Lovely. And a sweet potato Did you like curry. That? Uh, yes, fantastic. I don't think I'd enjoy that. I she has like to go to out and get it. some rice. Um, and then when she make some bread. When he's alone in the flat, Spider's boss rings him again. And he's like, oh, yeah, I didn't stay all night at the party because things were getting a little bit too close to home. I can't deal with it. And I don't want anyone to get hurt, neither. So um, he's Easy. finding it very difficult. Um, Max gets home, very sneakily, um, takes a swig of David's beer, which is handily left out on the coffee table there. To, no, so that he gets yeah, caught. Yeah, to hide his breath. Yeah, to, exactly. Yeah, he, so, yeah, he doesn't want David to... Well, he comes in, smells his breath, realises there's alcohol he can yeah. smell. So he drinks the beer... And then goes, he says to David, oh, well, you're going to tear a strip off me anyway, so I might as well and enjoy I, it. And I heard this as a tip. I probably said this on the podcast before. I read this on, like, Reddit or something. <laughs> Such a stupid, like, you know what they say, life hacks, life tips. Mm. Um, if you're in a crash and, you, and you're drunk in a car, get out of the car, sit on the side of the road and start drinking and make out that you drank because you were stressed out. Yeah. Is it illegal to start drinking immediately after you've had a crash? I don't know. It, can't, it, 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 it literally can't be, can it? How can they... It would raise a few eyebrows, though. I think they might be suspicious. <laughs> <laughs> I think the best thing is not to drink, drink and drive. Yeah. Um, David, That's my life hack. David um, <laughs> is kind of just... He says, oh, yeah, fine, whatever, you, you drink it. But, by the way, watch yourself around that griff. That's his parenting done for the evening. Well, yeah, David's obviously internalised at least one thing today. Mm. Um, Wednesday's episode, Griff finds Max yet again bunking off in Victoria Gardens, which was where all the cool kids hang out, and uh, says, look, you need to be keeping your stepdad sweet by going into school. Yeah, it's all a bit pointless and everything. If it was me, if I were you, I'd do the same as me and enrolled in the University of Life as soon as I hit 16. Um, but yeah, do, do what you can now so that you don't raise suspicion. So again, he's trying to plant the seeds of sneakiness in Max because he, he's, you know, got something good with him here and doesn't want him to... He, he, he wants to not raise any suspicion. So um, Griff is such a party animal, he invites him to another one this evening. It's not... Not a Halloween one, though. No, it's an All Saints Day party. <laughs> they go, that's the it's next... Day of the Dead, isn't it? Oh, I, I, maybe it's both. I'd say it's All Saints. I've already listened to Never Ever and The Beach. <laughs> <laughs> Racists love that. Um, Max tells David that he's going to the library after school today. And uh, David yeah. doesn't quite believe him, but he's happy that he seems to be buckling down a little bit. Um, so later on, it's all beers again at Griff's house. And this is when Max is introduced to Lauren, who's Reese's daughter. And Reese is one of the other racists. And I don't think we mentioned this on the podcast last week. I can't remember. But this character's name is Reese Bolton. And that's not the same as Reese Bolton from Game of Thrones. Sure but he's just as it. nasty. I Did we mention it last week? I can't remember. Sorry if we did. Um, anyway, they get chatting. So, um, so Lauren is this... Um, Kind of this blonde, beautiful, um, quite. She she very much fits into the role of uh, into the mold of other Corrie, um, slaggy teens, doesn't she? 
she's, Michael. You know, she's just, she's just she's a bit rough. She looks like she would maybe drink at the dog and gun when she's older. Um, but Max is, uh, is besotted immediately and they get kind of chatting um, and she's... Uh, Couldn't hear the fireworks going off. Have they started, have they? Yeah. Um, Griff brings Max this book called Wake Up and Smell the Lies and says, you need to read this. It's all about um, how the, 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 the man has tried to pull the wool over our eyes and all the conspiracies are true and, and stuff. And Max is like, oh, that sounds quite interesting. And Lauren says, yeah, it's brilliant. Also, I'll bring a DVD along with me next time. And she says it's, I can't remember what she called it, but um, do you remember what it was called? No. Uh, but anyway, she says this is this, this very sad but important film or, or documentary or whatever, and um, he's he's smitten with her already. So um, yeah, he's he's looking forward to that. Anyway, time for Max to go already. Um, and back home, David and Max are surprised to see Max with his nose in a book. Um, they they must see because it's written in in rather large writing what this book is called, and they 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 don't. Um, they don't Wasn't... look suspicious at all, especially after da David had said to Peter, you're a massive conspiracy theorist, you nutcase. And now Max is reading something about it and he's fine with it. Wasn't the documentary called something like, your replacement or your replaceable? Your re oh, replaceable, replaceable you it was called. And that's not a real thing. And if you Google it, you'll find that it was a Simpsons episode because that's what happened to me. Um, anyway, David uh, kind of is still trying to be cool with Max and says, oh, I'll read the book myself when you're finished with it. Um, so that's kind of the end of Wednesday's episode. Friday, Max comes into the salon to find David, but only Maria's there. And um, he says that um, he, he wants to borrow a bit of money off of David because he's going out with a friend later. And Maria quite quickly twigs it. It's a girl that Max wants to uh, step out with. Um, and she's like, well, I'm not going to lend you any from the till. But um, yeah, the, 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 that little secret is out. So later on, um, Max and Lauren are kind of mooching about the street. Then we have Darian come over. Darian the refugee, who we've not seen in a month, I'm going to say, since really? his first appearance. Yeah, I reckon so. And he's, he's there dressed in his weathy high uniform, isn't he, after stealing Max's place. And um, he's like, oh, I can lend you some money if you like. Because he says, oh, I see that you are there with a trying to... Um, get a hottie. Trying to get a hottie, yeah. And, um, and, and Lauren's there. And she can see, because obviously Lauren's a racist as well, she can see that Max is there with this... Um, with this guy for, of, of Asian descent, it looks like. And um, he, she comes over and is like, oh, that reminds me not to have curry on our chips. And Max is like, that's a Why weird thing say to that? say. So he's yeah. just... There haven't been... There haven't been very many obvious mega clues so far to Max. So you might... He might be forgiven for not picking up on the um, the racist undertones of, of the group that he's now a member of. Um, but this was the first thing to make him go... That's a bit weird. Um, so anyway, um, they go over to speed dial themselves later because Max has heard about this um, this job offer that's going there. Basically, Zidane's been poached by um, some friend who wants his cooking skills down in London. The West End. I'll tell you what, when... Um, when Zidane came into today's episode, I was like, oh no, not a Zidane story. This week's dull enough with summer and the roof and everything going on. I could do without there being a Zidane story. But it was good because it was a story to get rid of him for a little bit. And um, things are basically very stressful for Alia at the Bistro later. They're down a, a, a waiter. Um, well, it's Darian... Zidane's a chef. Yeah, I can't remember what, what the reason was for. 
I think, didn't they say that one of the waiters then went into the kitchen? I don't know. For whatever reason, they're down a member of staff. It's a waiter. Darian happens to be there at Speed Dial and he says, oh, well, I'll do. I can be a waiter. And, um, and then Max not long afterwards, comes in and says, oh, Maria, I saw that you were advertising for a waiter. And it looked like it was going to be another one of those situations where she says, oh, sorry, Max, I can't give you the job he because of Daria. And he you. got there before you. But in the end, um, Maria manages to persuade Alia to give the job to both of them. So clearly all of the um, financial struggles that Speed Dial had been going on through not you know, two, three weeks ago are, um, are all fine now and they can afford to employ two waiters when they really only need one. Well, they said, uh, oh, it'd be great to work together. But surely if you're job sharing, you're not going to work together. Yeah, I know. Anyway, um, so he goes... Um, he goes back to Griff's house later, and, and, and before he gets there, they're discussing this, because um, I, I missed it, you said, it was like a Muslim-run clothes shop in town or something, and they're like saying, oh yeah, well, I reckon that's just a front for some a dodgy activity. Well, they said like... No evidence, yeah, but they're definitely, they definitely It seemed are. like they were presuming there was sex trafficking or drug dealing going on. Yeah, yeah. Because, um, God forbid... They're just Muslims with a close <laughs> Anyway, Max comes over. He doesn't hear any of that. He tells them about his job. And they're like really happy that he's managed to get something. But then they hear that it's a speed dial. And you can immediately... And then the room immediately falls silent. It's like... And you can see they're all sort of thinking, well, what, you've got a job in a in a Pakistani restaurant. Why would you want to work for them? Um, and, and also when... He says that, oh, yeah, it was Maria that helped me to get the job. And they were like, Maria who? And he's like, oh, you know, the councillor Maria. They're also kind of give each other funny looks there, aren't they? And it kind of ends with that. So, it, I don't know, were you, were you getting the impression that... Are we supposed to think that maybe Griff and his cronies are Maria's trolls here? They don't like her, but but why? That's the question. I'm um, trying to remember what all the trolling was now. Because obviously at the beginning, they were saying that she was a... Uh, an idiot for just... fighting for the environment and I think they quite like the environment in this group but then the most yeah. recent comments on her articles was when she was supporting refugees and, yeah, it's refugee and there stuff. were comments saying that yeah so I, I think, I think probably they were they were the ones that were having a go at her for that but um anyway that that's this story for the week and I actually I, I was really pleased with how this has gone I, I wish that you know, the, the the A story of the week did end up being the summer story and it was a shame because that's been going for so long and this was something kind of fresh and new and it felt a little bit different and I was hoping it would give it a little bit more screen time because Monday we got to see a lot of it but Wednesday and Friday it was just you know, four or five scenes maybe in the episode it felt like. But um, it's early days but Touchwood and everything, I'm, I'm feeling quite positive great that it's a spider story we said on the podcast last week i think how surprising it is that spider's story has gone off in this particular direction because it's certainly nothing that we'd expected is it um but i'm i'm loving that this character um who i was just thrilled to be having a comeback is now being put into a story that they're really really promoting um paddy beaver has really really grown on me over the past six seven eight months or so i think that he is more than capable of um doing what needs to be done in this story i think that he's he's good at playing you know the innocent naive sort of not really a badden sort of role that's needed for this, don't you? Yeah, I agree. Um, I I just I hope that they don't screw it up. And it's also this has made Griff a lot much much more of an interesting character because up until this point I'd still been thinking, well, what what is his deal? 
but now we get to know what his deal is. His deal is racism. Um, did you? What What are your kind of your impressions of it so far, and your your hopes and uh, initial thoughts? Um, I'm. I just find it very interesting. I think they've done a very good job setting it up. Um, I'm really intrigued about um things I'm kind of learning and the you know the kind of coercive na- nature of what they're doing to Max is very interesting it's not mm. a question but you know the the psychology behind it um I've, I've found I've still seen lots of people online being confused about what the link is between racism and environmentalism <clears throat> and it's a bit it's a bit frustrating to me because I wondered the same thing so I googled it and it was right there. So anybody that still thinks that it's stupid because everyone knows that if you like the environment, you could never be a racist, just needs to sort of do a bit of research. <laughs> just not, you know. Yeah. I, I don't like the fact that the Coronation Street's being, you know, slated because they, they think they don't know what they're talking about because there's no link when there mm. is. Um, I, I just find it very interesting. I think it's going to be uncomfortable uh, viewing. I don't, don't think we're going to like a lot of the things. That... I hope so. I, I want this to be uncomfortable. I, I think it's going to be really difficult to dig. talk about on the podcast as well. Because, um, again, I I feel also that it's very important to, to point out that I'm aware of the fact that I can think about this and talk about this in a sort of ac- academic kind of a way because it doesn't affect me. And I, you know, talking about racism and stuff um, and saying, oh, let's just think about why, why is someone racist? It's irrelevant. If you're a person of colour, it doesn't really matter um, why someone's got this way or how they arrived at this opinion because it affects you in the same way no matter what, doesn't it? Yeah. And I, I, I get the same way when I, we, when I talk about misogynistic things and, and sexism and how women are treated and we talk about those sort of things. It, it upsets me and it, it really gets under my skin. And um, so I just want to acknowledge that <sighs> moving forward and, and, and sort of, you know, say that we appreciate that this is the, the kind of perspective that we're coming from with that. So um, don't for one minute think we're not aware mm. of... Um, the fact that we don't really, we're kind of ignorant about this, but we're doing the best we can. And, yeah. and in a way, like I said last week, it is kind of um, a more a th- something that white people need to talk about and think about more because the racism doesn't come from people of colour, does mm. it? It's not their, it's their problem, but it, they can't solve it because it's coming from us. Yeah. Although I am fairly ignorant of this issue, as I am most issues that come up on Coronation Street. What's interesting for me is how closely this aligns with the this training that I have to do each year. So at the beginning of every year, we have to do this um, prevent training, it's called, which is um, where we sit on a computer for half an hour and you get to see these videos of case studies of, <laughs> of teenagers who um, have been kind of unwittingly led down a dark path and you say well whose story would you like to listen about and then there's there's a girl um who is kind of a, a muslim girl who's um led into um into kind of into muslim extremism kind of groups mm-hmm. and then there's a white boy who is you know very much like max who um we get to hear his his story about how he you know went to secret clubs they were really yeah yeah and uh, you know he was given literature to read and videos you know to more watch about and, it than I do, though. yeah yeah and and they made me feel welcome and um and then they he, oh, he started making and and the the, the the actor who's saying the lines that this per- this person in real life went 
uh, yeah. explained it was like saying oh yeah and they made me realize that how great our country was and everything and and then you you have to click your mouse every time you hear something that's a little bit concerning on the video um and you know i i, I started sh they they made me feel at home and and it felt a bit odd at first but they told me that it, it was right and, and these people are coming in and why is it fair that they get our jobs uh, they get the jobs first and and and, and just watching the, the few episodes that there's been so far this week I'm already kind of checking the boxes of the things that's been on that training and I, I've watched this video like three or four times now over the years I think so um, I've always wondered you know will Coronation Street ever do something like this because it seems like ripe for soap story um, so that just partly because I've got that kind of background knowledge um that just adding to why i'm interested to seeing in where this goes um what do you think is going to happen with with max and uh darian at speed dial because yeah it, it was odd how I'm, I'm sure the last time that we saw max and darian together he was annoyed at him for taking his place at weatherfield high and he's spoken about him as well but he he seemed kind of friendly to him in today's scenes is it yeah, that he's because he's, he's not actually a, a yeah he's not actually racist yet? I don't think he's put it together yet that it's he should be mad at him because of the color of his skin. Mm. The thing but, about humans is that we're primed to do things like that because we look for patterns and we look for people that are different to us and people that are similar to us. So it's such an easy thing for us to fall into. Mm. It was a nice, um, nice setup to have him in this situation, and it was so it's going to be fairly easy, I guess, for the writers to be able to make Rax, Max, Max, feel you know racist inclined. Um, but I, th I think that I, I wonder whether like it is is Dar is there a, is it going to turn out that there is only one job and Darian's the one that gets it? Well, or... Darian seems like he's a lot more intelligent and emotionally aware than Max because the bit where he offered um, Max some money he said oh I, I know what it's like to try and get a hottie here's five here's five pounds and then when the girl came over Darren went oh thanks Max for lending me that money you yeah. did me a real favour so he was so sweet and intelligent I wonder if he's going to pick up on Max's inclinations before max even realizes what's happening to him yeah maybe maybe um but yeah it was it was interesting seeing uh griff and the gang's reactions to max working there at speed dial as well and uh are they going to they're going to try and persuade him to to leave the job or are they gonna they're just gonna you know drip poison in about well, Alia or Yasmin or like, whatever. i can't believe you're working for for that kind of people when this is our country, why should you be taking orders from them? Mm. It's all very easy. It's all yeah. very easy to imagine how these things would be portrayed. Mm. Mm. Anyway, um, yeah, I, I can't wait to see what happens with this next. I hope that Spider's not going to be sidelined in it because this is... It, it feels like, although Spider is quite an important player, it does feel more like this is... Max's story really isn't it and well, as for Peter it feels like he's almost been 
kicked out of it already. He's, yeah, he's not needed in this story anymore. I don't want it to be like, you know, when we had the Dr. Thorne storyline earlier this year. And at the beginning, originally, I was like, oh, hooray, it's an Aggie story. And nope. then she was Good. dropped. It was not an Aggie story. I don't want this to not be a spider story. But I think as long as he's investigating the group and there is that tension between him and Toya and she's feeling like Spider is picking his... Um, his mates <laughs> over her yeah. all the time. She's going to have to find out soon that he's an undercover cop, isn't she? Um, I just want to say, um, I think there's something's quite uh, explosive, uh, quite literally, uh, going to be afoot here because we've heard Spider say, being told that there's something that's going to oh, yeah, cost big. lives. And now we've heard them talking about this clothes shop yeah I think that they're gonna plan an attack on this shop mm. because they because I think some of them will genuinely believe that they're doing something good we're saving because you know there's the the elephant of the room in the room here is the grooming gangs that have been reported on in the press which are predominantly I think Pakistani Muslim men who have preyed upon young white girls and um it's a very big controversial topic and um I can imagine people being listening to, to hearing about things like that and thinking, "I'm going to save people. I'm going to stop this from happening. I'm going to, I'm going to stop." You know, who wouldn't want to save people from being raped mm. and and trafficked? But unfortunately, it fits into a narrative that it, it leads to incredibly negative yeah. consequences. So, the, the some of the people might very well believe that there truly is something happening there. But I'm sure Griff knows that there isn't actually anything really going on and they're probably going to jump on this before they've got any evidence because there no doubt isn't any mm. that something is happening. It... And I wonder if they're recruiting Max for some... Yeah. They're kind of fast-tracking well, they're, him. They're definitely going to be using his um, audio-visual skills, aren't they? I wonder whether, you know, whether the uh, the, pre- the pre... What's the word? The, the opening of the precinct on Coronation Street, is this Muslim clothes shop going to be one of the cl- shops in the precinct? And is the, the big debut of this new set on screen where... They, they do a raid on the shop there or are they going to blow up this thing they've just built? I don't know. They could do it they just They can't like really because we'd know about it by now, wouldn't we? Well, they haven't started filming on it yet. I don't. I know, it's, but it's people not ready. walk past it every day. Yeah, yeah, they do, but I, I, I don't know. It's possible, it's possible. Let's move on. This is going to be a long street tour, but I don't, well, the, I don't know whether the, the next is, stories are going to be The first as... two stories were incredibly controversial and very issues-driven storylines that I'm sure people have lots of different ranges of opinions about, and um, neither of which I feel really qualified to discuss <laughs> in any way. There's only so much that you can say about somebody not fixing a toilet or a roof, isn't there? But before we get to that, Gemma, I'll pass back to you, the book of John. Um, what's been going on at number nine this week? Um, okay, so we've got this mysterious serialisation about the true story of John Stape and his marriage to the evil Fizz. And they don't know where this information has been leaked from, but they, sh- by gum they've got to make sure that poor old Hope doesn't get to see it. So on Monday, they're looking at the serialisation that's been in the Gazette and it's so much detail, they can't believe it. It's, it even says about how Jade faked the bruises on Hope when she came back. And and um, Tyrone goes and asks Brian, can you please stop selling this because we don't want Hope to see it. And uh, Brian's like, no, mate, I've got to make some money here. I can't just stop. So listen, if I stopped selling the Gazette every time one of you lot was in it, I'd never sell another copy. So mm-hmm. forget it. So Tyrone buys all of his stock um, and then Adam comes over and he's like, 
Ooh. Oh, I'll have to read it online Ooh. now. Um, yeah, I, I, I don't really believe that Adam reads the paper. I think he's he doesn't like read the local paper. No, but he doesn't. He, he, he's on the broadsheets online. With the best will in the world, it will just be a moaning about what local clothes. I can't remember because Spider was reading the paper in the uh, in the Rovers reading. And, uh, reading the paper in the last episode, wasn't it? I can't remember what was on the front of that. Um, Some dramas about. I'm I'm really buildings. I don't know what's going on with the cabin because we have not seen inside the cabin for months and months. We haven't and seen months. it since Kathy's gone, really. I no, mean, I don't even know whether we saw it. Yeah, though it did feature when Kathy was leaving. Actually, didn't we? We saw some inside cabin scenes. Um, Trina got a job there. Yeah, everyone's just having Apparently. conversations outside. Rude. It's weird. It's rude. So, Tyrone has been to see Phil. Has he? Yeah. Well, he he didn't write the article, but he did give him the number of the newspaper writer who wrote the article. For some reason, he knows this. So Tyrone talks to the journalist. He won't tell him his source. So Tyrone has got really paranoid. So he makes a list of all the people that would know about Jade. Which that's isn't definitely, very many people. That's definitely something that they can concretely yeah. research. Could it have been Gemma? Could it have been Evelyn? Um, could it have been... Uh, Chesney. Chesney. Um, and then Fizz says a throwaway line of, well, um, it can't have been Evelyn because she says here her age is 92 and they wouldn't have got that wrong if she was the source. And Tyrone's like, oh, that reminds me, that um, that sets my brain ticking. So he thinks and thinks and then he calls Hope down and he says, right, remember you asked me the other day how old Evelyn was and I, as a joke, told you it was, she was 92, <laughs> but you didn't know I was joking. I think you've been leaking this information yourself. And so it all comes out, Hope is the source, and Mad Dog is the person she's been chatting to, to an, through an online game, and she has spilled her guts about everything. And obviously this Mad Dog is the, jur- the journalist. Tyrone can't believe it. Fizz, Fizz like, oh, it's not your fault, but you shouldn't have said anything. And so they moan about how evil games are, and uh, how poor old Hope has been groomed by some evil journalist. On I know people complain about some um, some news um, agencies making articles about what people say on Twitter. And I'd like, yeah, it's kind of bad that if you work, if you're a journalist, sometimes all you have to do is hang around on Twitter to get things. But are there journalists that hang around in online games just on the off chance that someone's going to leak something juicy? That's what I do. Is I it? just play Minecraft <laughs> and befriend children. Go, has your dad murdered anybody? Tell me more. Like yeah, it doesn't... I'm not exactly sure how this happens. They haven't mentioned the game, obviously, because they don't want to get sued. It's not a real game. Um, I don't think you're supposed to think too hard about it, but uh-huh. you're, you are perhaps supposed to think, ooh, I wonder what my kid's doing on their games. Well, yeah, I mean, I don't think Tyrone and Fizz really took that much responsibility for the fact that they weren't policing what they're... Fairly young daughter is doing online. Well, they would argue that they don't have time. But also, I think a lot of parents aren't aware that there are some chat facilities on games that will let people talk to your children well, that think, you don't know I who they Fizz are. I think Fizz just said, oh, I just thought I was talking to your friends. I think they knew that she was chatting online. Well, that's what I just said, though. Yeah. Let people who aren't... For strangers. Yeah. yeah. Well... They should have... Get some Nintendo games because it's... it's practically impossible. <laughs> I mean, we can say this because we're not parents, but like, I just think parents need to be... How you, can you, you know? Can't, How you, can you, you know? Be... You can't watch them all the time. This is one of the things that would terrify me if I was a parent. Yeah. 
how, how can you know what they're unless you sit there and you've got to also let your kid have a sort of amount of privacy mm. at some point yeah i think it's very but, you difficult know parental controls parent. exist for a reason but you don't want to be draconian and you know cost it the, the kid but equally you can't have them on the internet just <laughs> chatting away to uh to journalists right We've all learned now, haven't we? So nobody who's listening will make that mistake, will they? <laughs> so we speak to Adam and he says the paper has taken legal advice. They're not mentioning Hope by name. Um, and so I don't think you're going to be able to do anything about it. Sorry. So on Wednesday, <laughs> serials in the newspaper, it's even more GC today. And it says, and it's like suggesting that Hope's going to be a murderer like her dad. And Fizz is like, oh no, Hope's going to get bullied at school. It's like... She's going to get bullied for being a murderer. I'd be scared of her if I was a kid at school. <laughs> She's got the prime opportunity to bully other people now. She'd be like, it's in, it's in black and white here. Yeah. You do what, you give me your lollipop or I'll kill you. <laughs> they go and see Adam again and he's trying to calm Tyrone down. And uh, then Fizz gets a phone call from the school because Hope's gone missing. So she finds her in Victoria Gardens with Sam because Sam took her out of school because some children were mean to her. And Nick comes over and he's like, and, and Fizz is having a go at him saying, your son took my kid out of school. <laughs> Nick's like, I don't think so. <laughs> I don't think anyone could tell Hope what to do. Nick probably has to prize um, Sam out of school himself at the end of every day. He's like, yeah. no, let me stay There's still more books I haven't read. <laughs> so he says, I also think that, I don't know whether I would believe that Sam would take her out of school because he is a real goody two-shoes he wouldn't do that it's, it was a bit weird I, I i wonder whether it was hope's idea but she made, yeah, made sam him think, think it, it was, was his, his yeah that's more like classic so um nick tells fizz that hope has to stay away from sam, sam. tyrone finds fizz she's upset at home she says nick's made her feel like a terrible mum and Tyrone's mad he can't control the newspaper and he can't control Hope but he definitely can go round to Nick's flat and punch him temper. and punch him in the face I wanted him to use his taekwondo moves he should have gone hey yeah frog yeah taekwondo is a bit more of a kicky one isn't it I, I think he know. I think he should have roundhouse kicked him that just doofed good. him right into the the into the counter in the middle why of the not flat, yeah so, uh, stay away from Tyrone's my... just, like, really mad after Jack punched him last week and he's like, I'm going to punch someone that's taller than me now. So I show I really Jack. am a man. Yeah. When they were at the Taekwondo class, wasn't it Jack oh, or yeah, someone Jack. other that... We didn't that, see it. ...that laid Tyrone out last week, allegedly? He says, stay away from Fizz and stay away from my family or you'll regret it. And then Nick tells Sam, it's not your fault, stay away from Hope and I'm confiscating your walkie-talkie. Adam comes to number nine later and he says, I've been to the Gazette, I've read, I've told them off. They won't be serialising anymore, but they, it's too late to stop the book from being published. So Fizz says, thank you. Tyrone comes home and he looks all concerned, but he won't say why. Then Leanne comes round and has a go. Fizz is shocked to hear what Tyrone has done. And then um, Leanne basically tells them if they do anything like that again, then uh, she's going to have them for GBH. And she leaves. And Fizz says, well done, Tyrone. You may just have ruined Hope and Sam's friendship. And then Tyrone's like, I'm not going to apologise for defending my family. Friday. Tyrone tells Hope that she's not allowed to hang out with Sam at school. And so she refuses to go in because she doesn't have any friends. And Fizz says, you need to sort things out with Nick. Um, Tyrone tries to speak to Nick but he's not in the mood and Tyrone is saying uh, 
I've meant to, I've spoken to Mrs. Crawshaw about all of this. So he's like, yeah, oh no. Nick says he's spoken to Crawshaw. I thought Ty- I said that. No, I thought you said Ty- Ty- Tyrone is saying you're you're punishing my daughter um, for for. No, I can't remember what he said. No, it doesn't That's matter. why I skipped over it because I didn't understand what I you don't wrote. Remember. Sam and Hope have a sneaky meetup at the school corridor, and she's surprised to hear that <laughs> that um, Tyrone has punched uh, her dad's punched Nick. Fizz and Tyrone go to the pub, and he says, "I didn't tell Hope about that, but now we know she knows." Adam meets up with them later and says they've got grounds for an injunction for on a privacy injunction, and. Hope comes home. She's mad at Tyrone for hitting Nick and then she can't see Sam anymore. Then she lets it slip that if she's not the only one who's done something bad, also Sam has. So they discover then that he's still writing to Harvey. So Fizz tells Nick. Nick confronts Sam. Sam says, sorry, I'm not... Sorry I lied, but I'm not sorry that I wrote I wrote the letters. And Nick says, nope, it's final. You're not writing anymore, anymore at all. And so Sam walks out on him. Then when they have, um, at the state house, they have dinner. Hope's moping about. Tyrone says, we're going to stop this bit coming out. Sorry, <laughs> really, scale. really loud fireworks in the background. Oh no, we're missing them. <sighs> um, Tyrone says, we're doing everything we can to stop the bit coming out. And uh, Hope kind of cheers up. And she's got a little sausage on her plate that's a frowny face. And then she turns it upside down. I thought that was great. Yeah. Um, where are you going? Gemma's looking out the window, see if she can see any fireworks or anything going on. I, I, I was not... Is there anything there? Any fireworks? For our podcast listeners, can you describe them? No. no too late. We'll go out in a minute and have a break. Right. Maybe we'll have a little break. Um, so I, I didn't realise last week, even though it was blatantly obvious now I come to think about it, that Hope had been the one feeding the information to, um... Well, I thought the mystery was, who is she talking to? Is it Jade or... Yeah, but no, it's just a journalist. So of course that was a bit obvious, wasn't it? I did. It was obvious, but I didn't get it. Um, I, I don't know whether did did Hope realise what she was doing? I guess she no. just thought it was you know no. a person, didn't she? Well, it was a person. It was you know she just thought it was a friend, a, a, a mate. But and and I guess she is too young and innocent to realise that probably some of the questions that she was being asked. Um, well, I'm sure that it was sneaky too. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah probably. Yeah. Um, did you enjoy this? I want to I... hear the nitty gritty. I want to. I feel like I thought this was going to be more juicy, but I think the thing is, nobody's. We haven't seen Hope being confronted. We haven't seen any of the fallout. We've just been told about it, so it doesn't feel like that significant or or bad. Mm. And I'm still saying, uh, I'm thinking, like I said before, that I'm a bit just a bit fed up with them going over the same ground of old John Stape. He was a serial killer. That means that Hope's going to be evil. It just feels like they're drawing from the same well again, um, and it's getting a little bit meta, really. I like it. It's a bit fourth wall breaky. It's like, oh, hey, what was it? But more murders. And I, d- I didn't like Tyrone punching Nick as well. It felt, although he had been going to these what did classes you punch him for? for 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 making Fizz upset. That's pathetic, really, isn't it? Yeah, he's. I don't wouldn't think he's normally quite so fast with his fists, no. but maybe he's like, well, I've been doing my taekwondo recently, so violence so is actually okay. Let me show you my moves. That's what they teach you at those. So, is what I'm saying about this story. It's all right. I like the characters, but um, I'm just not as big a, a Hope fan as everyone else is. So, um, that's that's why it's not really gelling with me quite so much. Yep. Fiddler on the Roof story is next. Here we go. 
Oh my gosh, what is going on with this story? I can't believe that there was three days worth of this story. Something's gone wrong somewhere, hasn't it? Something has gone dreadfully wrong with this story over the year. I was not impressed with this. I, I I thought some of the scenes were weird. Like they felt really, really clunky. I thought some of the acting was was not great, and this is just like the filleriest filler story there's ever been. No, and it's been going on for months. Feeling it, and also, it's. I feel like it's ruining Tracy's character. Like she's turned into a bit of an idiot. She used to be manipulative and sly, and uh, like out for herself. But she also had. A soft heart when it came to certain very specific things, but this one, she's just coming across as like a buffoon. Well, I thought, no, I don't. I wouldn't say I'm getting buffoon. Well, she thinks she's trying to. She thinks she's getting one over on people, and then she keeps realizing that she's the one that's been made a mug of. I, I just think that it's, they're just making her being angry and shouty a lot. I, there's just no, there's there's no substance to this story. But as I say, there's clearly something gone wrong somewhere. I, I cannot think... believe this was ever supposed to be going on at this point. Still, no. Simon Gregson is mysteriously absent from the show. They've said that he's gone to stay with Andy, the character the, of the, Steve. The, the, sorry, the character of Steve has gone to stay with Andy and and Andy is as always the very convenient family member abroad that any of the McDonald's can go to stay with. Um, they said today that he's also uh, apparently sprained his ankle chasing a mugger down the street or something so I do not know what's going on here um, but <laughs> I don't, it's, it's a mess. Maybe story. he's dressed up as Sue Cleaver and he's joining the jungle. Maybe he Well he's dressed up as something because he's doing that drag thing tonight isn't he? The, the Queen's for a night on ITV. Um, anyway, so on Monday, we have Arnie the Roofer, who comes back to the street to check on Steve, but yes, he's in Spain. Apparently, it turns out that Arnie had a mini stroke, and that's what had to stop him working all those months ago. He's been in hospital, he's had the phone taken off of him, and he's just not been able to contact anyone since then. And they Tracy comes out and... him because he's too stressed out. Yeah, it's silly. And Tracy comes out and is like, I don't believe that for a moment. Get yourself up on the roof and get fixing. Ed's there, um, blind twitching, isn't he, number three and he comes out with that with Aggie saying oh what you do you get up there you fix this roof straight away oh this scaffolding's been here for so long so later on um the, the main drama of the week revolves around Tracy's toilet which has been so he says she says something like oh the toilet's been ruined by a massive crack <laughs> and <I was> like <laughs> I thought she was going to say something else there um but uh, yeah so a, a well, toilet, has, toilet has been broken by one of the builders apparently and, and it's massive crack by the drama for the week is where are they going to go to the toilets they don't try and fix it themselves they don't try and get any other plumbers to come out and fix it um, they just string this out for three three days worth. I did say on last week's podcast, I hope they hurry up and get this storyline sorted. And I guess I got what I wanted, but oh, I don't know. Anyway, so um, Tracy calls in um, Arnie and said, who, who, who used the loo last? Because they've broken it, actually. And he says, oh, I'm terribly sorry, madam. I'm mortified if one of my dad's did it. I'll sort out a replacement as soon as I can. And Tracy's like, oh, 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 that was very easy. However, she has egg on her face later on. Um, and uh, she she gets a taste of rough justice, if you'll pardon the pun, when um, the builders deliver a port outside her home, blocking the road even more, which I don't think that you can legally just dump a loo in the middle of a public highway for a no, joke. No, they put a red 
a barrier around it. So Does that make like, it okay? It's does like it? you can park anywhere you want if you put your hazard lights on. <laughs> anyway, so now that everybody at number one, the million people that live there, have uh, have got to go outside if they want the loo, just like back in the olden days. And um, I was wrong on the podcast last week when I was listing out all the people who are living there at the moment because apparently and very conveniently, Jacob and Amy are house sitting, which is why Daniel is able to get into their room with Daisy when he had his little um domestic problems last week so Wednesday's uh, episode starts with people fighting over the toilets or something and then Arnie comes round again and says to Daniel oh this roof is worse than I thought um you need to get, extend the job to cover the back as well we need to put some scaffolds in or some scaff as he called it um that's yeah. technical that's what they call it in the trade uh, we need to get some scaffolding out the back ASAP. You just need to give us the go-ahead. And Daniel's like, well, I'm not really the decision maker, but I want things sorted. So go on then, put some scaffolding around the back of the house. Wasn't he talking about flashing as well? Flashing, yes. Whatever that is. I don't know. I'm, I'm with Daniel here. I don't know what it is, but it's very important, apparently. Later on, Tracy's trying to get hold of Arnie on the phone again, saying hurry up and finish the job because he's bogged off again. Ed's come round there annoyed that this extra scaff has meant that he's pretty much trapped in his house because there's... There's, he can't get out the back door. There's no room outside the front door. Get this sorted and quick, says Ed. Um, Daniel, um, uh, so so everything's going wrong there. Um, later on, um, Arnie has texted Tracy saying, I'm going to be back when we get a run of good weather. So she is absolutely fuming and leaves a message for Steve on the phone saying, I'm going nuts here and this is all your fault. Why the hell aren't you coming back from Spain yet? Friday's episode, Jacob and Amy get back. They're um, somewhat surprised to hear that Daniel and David have moved into their room. Where are they supposed to sleep then? So uh, they're going to have to find somewhere else. And this is what leads into them deciding to share a house with Summer and Aaron at the end of the episode. Um, so Tracy tells um, somebody, I've said Summer here, but it clearly isn't, Daniel it must be, that he can deal with Arnie from now on. He's the one that caused this problem. Um, so he goes into the pub to try and sort this out. Arnie's very handily there having a drink and Daniel says to him, look, Tracy's going to pay you up front. And Tracy says, um, just so when, when Arnie then goes back to number one to say this, Tracy's like, no way, I'm not doing this. I'm not paying you up front. You need to do this toilet fixing for free, to be honest, seeing as how what it was one of your lads that broke it. He says, no way, walks off. So Arnie, um, Adam then tells Daniel that you need to try a different tack with Arnie. You go need to try and be a bit matey with him and, and get him on your side. So he, um, Daniel goes up to him and says, look, yeah, I know that Tracy can be a bit of hard work and everything, but we really need this root fixing, mate. And uh, Arnie says, nope, not doing anything until I get payment. Adam, um, when Daniel goes off to the loo, Adam says, oh, you don't want to get on Tracy Barlow's bad side. And then it transpires that Arnie has gone off to do a bit of voggling, found out what a cold-blooded killer that Tracy Barlow really is. And, and at the end of the episode, he comes round and says, oh, well, I'll go and fix the loo straight away. And um, Daniel's kind of left thinking that his, um, his matey chat with this guy worked, but it was clearly... Arnie is is uh, terrified that he's going to um, meet the same sticky end as one Charlie Stubbs. So um, there we go. Gemma, did you love this storyline this week? No. A few points I said to you, oh, I don't care. I don't care. It's... It is a sort of silly thing that it feels like Coronation Street is always being told it needs to do more of. 
It's not light-hearted and fun. It's the thing just is, can silly. I just say, it's also not character development. A lot of the time, the things that were interesting in Coronation Street in the the old days, and I, you know, feel like I can speak to that now. I've seen a lot of the old episodes and enjoyed them. It's, it was sort of gentle things that kind of, you know, teased out what people are really like and how they spoke to each other and just just things that, like you know, ordering a pint or whatever, and it's. Just in just little bits, character moments that that let us see into their lives and make them likable and like real people to us. But yeah. even this, it felt like Tracy's had a a personality transplant here. I feel like these lines were probably written for Steve. I don't know. It just feels like everything's been rewritten. I don't know what's supposed to be entertaining about this. And and it it's it... not funny. It's not. It's not. I, it doesn't tell me anything about anybody, and it's not. And it doesn't feel like there's an end in sight either, because he's fixed the toilet. But is he going to go and fix the roof now? I Does don't Bunny know. Just fix the goddamn roof for God's sake! I. Ugh. Yeah, it's rubbish. I and also nothing's, didn't. Nothing's happened. That's interesting. No, like, I didn't enjoy that Tracy's murder is being used for for lols again. Um, A lot of people were not like that. No. It was just ridiculous, this story, it wasn't honestly. Ri- Utterly silly. It wasn't ridiculous. It just felt ill-advised. Yeah, yeah. I don't know what I'm supposed to get out of it, but I'm not getting anything. It just feels no. like a waste of time. And for it to and happen to the Barlows me... as well, who are actually a quite decent family it, unit. Yeah, really. and it, was, it felt like nobody... There was no cohesive family experience here. Nobody was... There was no scene where... Like, there could have been a great scene where everyone sat around the front room and they were all trying to pretend that they didn't mind they had to go to the toilet outside. Mm. Or, you know, a moment where they all dashed off en masse to get to the loo at once. Well, they had a bit of a squabble between two of them at the beginning of Wednesday's episode. You know what I mean, though? I felt like there was no... This could have been a story that bonded them in a sort of community way against adversity... That would have made them more interesting, mm. you know, because Daisy's just moved into this house. Is Daisy uh, like? Is Daisy mad? Because if I moved in with my boyfriend and then I instantly became homeless, and then I had to move in with his granddad and his sister, and there was no toilet within the first two weeks, I think I'd find somewhere else to live. Mm. Why are they living there? Where's the kid? How are they managing to, to raise a small child Yeah, in there's a been house? no sign of Bertie this week. There's been barely any sign of Daisy. Ken, um, Daniel's dad, um, is is absent. Is he just no rehearsing his play somewhere? No doubt he's up and down in having a wee all night long. Yeah, exactly. There's nothing, there's nothing concrete or human or relatable or believable about any of this. And it could very well, it could have easily been turned into something like that. As it was, it just felt like a weird, soulless mm. time filler. It almost had me craving for summer scenes when these came on. And I wouldn't normally say that for anything related to the Barlows because I think they're all great, but this is just a massive misfire, really. Yep. Finally, Gemma, um, another bit of a filler that really didn't seem to go anywhere and left me fairly cold was this law fully wedded storyline. So um, what's going on with Sean and Lawrence this week? Oh no, there's a drama, but it's sort of over this burn of the week, isn't it? Kind of, but but not. Monday, Lawrence, Sean and Max want to go to the cinema to see a Halloween film. And Todd said, Todd gets asked to take a photo. He's in a bit of a rush. 
and he goes to take the photo and then this remember what happened this time however many years ago memory popped up does that does that really sort of thing happen on non-iPhones you're just trying to take a photo and a massive screen filling um pop-up comes up saying this happened this time of year I don't know well I don't know but Do you remember I will when you got give... married on Halloween like Les I was going to say I will take my hat off to this woman who may or may not be dead that um she Lindsay. is a good sport to to get to have a wedding on on Halloween <laughs> that's brilliant although don't ruin Halloween for me and expect me to buy you an anniversary gift because that's my day not your day okay <laughs> so so, of course, the shocker here is that Lawrence has got married. He's married to a woman. What? And so they get back from the spectacular night out that probably um, Toya's sad that she missed out on. <laughs> and Sean notices that Todd's looking at them and thinks he's he thinks he's jealous. And Todd says, no way. Do you know that Todd's been married to a woman? Lawrence. What did Lawrence. I say? You said, did you know that Todd's been married? Lawrence has been married to a woman. Yeah. And if he hasn't told you, he's probably still married to her. On Wednesday, Sean um, has still not brought this up with Lawrence, but he's mad at Todd. And he tries to find out from Lawrence whether he... I did enjoy that scene. He tries to see how gay Lawrence is. (laughs) Does he like any women? Does he fancy Audrey Hepburn? And Lawrence is like... Yeah, she's beautiful. And then Sean was like, yeah, but would you shag her, though? Would you give her one? <laughs> yeah. You know, that's what he's getting at, isn't he? He's like, is there anyone you'd shag as a woman? Would you ever Basically, shag a woman? Yes, I really, I found that very it funny. It was really was funny. Like, mega unsubtle about it. I thought it was great. Lawrence, Lawrence is like, well, this is awkward. I need to go to the toilet. Okay. I'll have a think about it. I'll have a think and see what I can, I can thrash out on the, on, in the privacy of the of the cubicle um <laughs> he doesn't go to the toilet for long does he? he probably goes in there and finds the whole of the barlow clan using up all the stalls enough. so he's like i'm gonna come back later so he comes back and sean and um glenda are trying to get into his phone and uh sean admits it so lawrence gets annoyed and leaves i thought this was going to be the second scene of the uh, in as many weeks of somebody able to guess someone else's phone password yeah. and glenda's like oh we love steps try five six seven eight yeah she was funny <laughs> i loved her so, um, <sighs> Sean tells Glenda what he, what Todd told him that he saw on Lawrence's phone. And Glenda's like, who cares? We've all got a Anything could have happened. I mean, why would you assume that they're still... Why would this come up? Just, just ask him. So, Lawrence comes back to the pub and Sean tells Lawrence what Todd saw. And Lawrence says, that's Lindsay. I did get married to her. She died eight years ago. She was the only woman I've ever fallen in love with. And ever slept with. And before that, it's only ever been men. I was going to tell you when the time was right, but it obviously wasn't. And uh, Sean apologises and Lawrence accepts it, but he says, I don't think I can ever forgive you. And he leaves Sean alone. Why didn't Sean say, oh, I I knew someone like that, Marcus. He really (laughs) loved Maria. Well, also, way back when, um, Sean was going out with, um, I don't know whether this was when you were watching or not, he was going out with somebody called Sonny, who was also dating Michelle or something. I've got very murky memories of there being this this other bisexual character in it. Um, And Michelle didn't realise that he also liked men, or I I can't remember. So, Sean, this isn't the first time that he's been in this exact same situation. So no wonder he's a bit wary. For gay men and women of a certain age, it will be of no surprise that somebody has a past in which they had dated members of the opposite sex because a lot of them were either in the closet or they didn't realise that they were gay. Yeah. Sean is of the generation where you would have hidden that you were gay mm. or it would have been very common to not have come out. Yeah. 
everything's changed very rapidly but sean and lawrence th this is not going to be unusual and even for people now you don't necessarily need to know everything about yourself right out of the gate you can learn as you go for mm. goodness sake although getting married is sort of a bit of a learning curve do you it? think that <laughs> do you think that sean would automatically be switched off by knowing that someone was by i mean if it hadn't come up is is Sean only want to go out with people who are completely gay? Again, this is the Coronation Streets by Erasure in that Lawrence is definitely not by. Very clear about the fact he only ever liked one woman, which I think is again. I don't know if Coronation Streets aware of how they depict bisexual people, um, but it's quite. I wish that they would just have somebody that was out and by and proud and mm. it was not a problem because it always feels as though there are loads of bisexual people on Coronation Street but they none of them will say that they're bisexual. Well, I, I think... And I know that we've had discussions about labels and stuff but at the same time, there are people that are, are proud and, and unbothered about being bisexual. So why can't they have somebody on the show that represents them? Why is everybody who is bisexual just, oh, I don't want to put a label on it. I just love who I, I like love. Asher and it's Nina. fine. It's fine to be either. Yeah. But but where's the representation for people? There should be people on the show who are come out and say I'm bisexual and, it, and it's fine mm. because that exists in real life. I was a bit disappointed that there wasn't a longer debate or discussion or whatever you want to call it between Lawrence and Sean about this because he kind of says, yeah. She was the only one. I'm, I'm, I'm disappointed that you tried to look in my phone, and then he disappeared off, and we didn't see him well, at all. I think on he's Friday, just basically said, "You've lost my trust." That's yeah. it. I guess we'll have it at some point. Which I think, I was... you know, he's got a boundary, and and, and Sean's mm. broken it. Yeah. Friday, Glenda cannot believe that Sean is trying to text Lawrence to apologise, and she tells him he needs to do something a bit bigger and more mature, and she should go to the dentist and refuse to leave until he gets a kiss. <laughs> um, but it doesn't so work. Mature. Uh, so he's going to keep texting him. And if uh, he doesn't reply, then Sean says he will give up. And uh, um, later on, Dylan is refusing to go to a fight at a works display with Sean until he gets bribed with 20 quid. And then it turns out that the only reason that Sean wants to go to this display is that it's near Lawrence's house and he wants to be near him in case he gets a text. And then they come back he doesn't. and there was nothing, no reply. Yeah, it felt like no today's Lawrence. episode was a little bit of a, of a nothing happening. I just... I mean, also... What? Like, I just feel like this is a big nothing. Like, mm. I just... I don't think we've known enough about Lawrence to care about this. I mean, we, we've had 20 years to gain to get sympathy for Sean. I think even for a lot of viewers, they haven't been able to get that. But I do kind of feel bad for Sean. But yeah, Lawrence, but... I like... Who is he? And he is just the latest in a string of... of of men for Sean that has been severely underdeveloped and but it's like oh, well, whatever. I just find it a bit baffling because it's like oh no he's married to a lady one time oh but it was just his wife the end it's like yeah gay Could men have strung that mystery out a little bit longer like it's not is it it wasn't really a scandal and it wasn't drawn out enough for, for it to be that significant it was just like oh yeah that's my wife mm. oh okay Okay. Mm. Yeah. 
There's, okay. there's nothing to talk about here, is there? Apart from maybe um, Glenda having to go on Mary's facial thing. I thought that was great. Somewhat amusing. A weird scene of her attacking Sean with it, with the uh, from and the camera was looking at him from her point of view. Uh, but yeah, maybe more will come of this. May I? I just, I just feel like nothing, nothing. It's not. It's because the characters weren't bothered. That's the trouble. The characters didn't seem to be bothered either. Sean was properly bothered. Sean was like, oh, how come there's a secret? And then he explained and Sean was like, makes sense. You know? <laughs> and then Lawrence was like, well, I'm not okay with this, so I'm going to leave. Yeah. And then we didn't see him overreact. We didn't see Sean overreact. We literally just got, oh, drama, mystery. Two, well, Sean... two day long mystery that then was resolved... Sean overreacted a little bit and he went to try and get some sympathy from Glenda, didn't he? And she, and she was the one that was saying, well, don't worry about it. I just feel it. like, yeah, but can you see what I'm saying yeah, at all? Yeah, 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 of course, yeah, yeah. Anyway, maybe more of that will happen. I don't feel like there's any... I don't feel like it's the end of Lawrence and Sean. No, nor do I. Which is probably why I'm not... I, I find it a bit... I'm a bit nonplussed, to be honest. Yeah. He'll either come back or he won't. Either way, <laughs> whatever. I'd, like... Yeah, again, it's it's sort of important to, that you care about them as a couple. Yeah, and yeah. I don't. I I I was um I enjoyed Frank earlier this year a lot more than uh than than Lawrence. Well, I bet and you Frank he's... turned out to be a nasty piece of work. Can so. I also say I think Frank would make a very good racist? Oh, you would, wouldn't he? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Right, bring him back. Scores for this week, then, Gemma. So um, <laughs> I mean. The, the Max stuff absolutely saved this week for me. I thought that Monday's episode was actually a pretty, you know, fairly strong um, start to the week, but then it just kind of petered along for Wednesday and Fridays. Um, but because of the that Max story, um, and the summer one was somewhat interesting. It wasn't like, you know, if, if the whole week had been Ruth's stuff or, or Lawrence, then... That would have been a bit of a problem, but at least the summer one somewhat kept me interested and we got to see Gaddis as well. I think I'm going to go with... Um, I can't I hate it, oh, Summer. Well, I can't hate her. I'm gonna, I just feel sorry for her. And I enjoyed the Halloween stuff on the yeah. day as well. Um, I am going to go... Three. Three hours that Ed spends hogging the bathroom every day <laughs> out of five. And um, my character of the week is... I think it's probably Max. I mean, I'm going between Max and Spider and uh, Gadass, obviously. He oh, was just uh, wonderful. Fantastic. Uh, but I can't give it to Gadass. No. So, well, um, you, can, you can, if you want. No. I might give it to... Um, Spider was good because he was, um, you know, nice and supportive of Max. I'm going to give it to the problematic Crusader. <laughs> <laughs> because... You know what I say? I say, why can't we be proud of our heritage? He What's didn't wrong even with being get a, a line, Gemma. What's wrong with crusading around other people's countries and showing them what the right way to flush the toilet is? Do you have an well, actual character an of the week? No, I don't. No, have you an don't. Answer. You can't explain it. No. We should be allowed to dress up. <laughs> Go on, give me a, give me a proper character. It's of the fact, week. In fact, it's racist if we're not allowed to. Proper character of the week, Gemma. I demand it. Um, okay, proper character of the re- week is going to be Max, like you. I think yeah. he's great. I think, um, I think, I'm fascinated to see where this is going. I think, I'm really, I really hope that they are brave. Hmm. But I know that they're going to get crap for it either way. So I think they just just hold your nose and go for it because you're going to get stick if you're if you do it full bore or not. 
Yeah. So you might as well. Might as well do it. Be hung for a I, I hope that it draws the plats the into around. it and this becomes <laughs> like a proper big plat story that we haven't had for years as well. But, you know, with, with Shona Shona's going to be going to, off I think Shona's going to have to go and check herself into a clinic for a little bit to get over the stress. Yeah, maybe. Take her phone off her. <laughs> she's had a mini stroke. Okay, so double max. What was your score? You haven't I didn't give it a score. score. I mean, I'll go on then. What Three you... little monkey nuts in Summer's womb. And tell you what, wouldn't that solve all the problems? If it was just a nut. Esther and Mike can have one. Summer and Aaron oh, yeah. can have one. Have and Toya hate. and Spider can have one. <laughs> right, that'll do for Street Talk. Let's do some news. It is time for Curry News. And we have a little bit this week. Um, like I said earlier in the podcast, we're going to start with having a look at what some of the Curry cast wore for Halloween this week. I always find this quite fun. Got quite a few um, ex-Curry cast, so that don't matter. They still can't, don't they? And uh, I just did a few Instagram screenshots. And this is the first time you've seen these. So Gemma, yeah. let's have your initial reactions. We've got Ali Mardell first. Now, we can't see very much about what no, she's wearing can't. in this part of the Instagram story. But um, we knew that she did sport a pair of... Um, devil horns. Satiny kind of Red devil satin. horns. Horns. Shiny devil horns, very good. Red lipstick, yeah. Bish bash bosh. But um, if you really want to get some good devil horn costume, you can look no further than Helen Flanagan, who um, I think may have won Halloween this year with some very realistic <laughs> looking horns bursting from her forehead. Makeup by Ashley UK. Yeah, well, uh, any, any comments on this one? She's gone full on blonde. Like it. Anything else? Um, the 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 look seems to be that she suddenly sprouted horns out of her forehead and they're all bloody. Yeah. Around the the base, like she's not realised that she's a, a devil all along, and suddenly it's. Is there something on my face? Oh my god, I think I might. Yeah, there is actually another picture later himself. on of Helen Flanagan of what she was wearing underneath. She was she was a sexy demon look. Oh so she what? Had, yeah, she yeah, had um, a sexy look. A, a red. What's that material? Is that kind of. What, PVC, like, yeah, sort of bra and, and trousers look. Yeah, So classic. definitely sexy devil for Helen Flanagan, who, by the way, according to an article in the Mirror that was from today, I think, that She's Rebecca got a drafty midriff. Yeah, she has got a drafty midriff. Yeah. Um, she is apparently um, considering coming back to Coronation Street, and I'm only putting this out here now because it's by no means a story, it's a rumour. Like we said last week, she's, um, current, she's recently split from her fiancé, Scott, and now she is apparently considering coming back to Coronation Street next year. But who knows? I think that's just wishful thinking, maybe. Are these now, all ex... Quite a lot of them are ex-Coronation Street people, I have to say. Maybe the Coronation Street people have been banned from having a Halloween okay. party. Katie McGlynn always um, goes full out with her costumes, doesn't she? She looks great. She's she's doing them with Tisha Adams. Be careful you don't get shot by Harvey in that outfit, that's all I'm saying. Um, She's got a bare midriff, but the rest of it's pretty good. She's got a, a mid-thigh split in her lovely long black drapey dress with very long... Um, sleeves hanging sleeves down, down to the floor, and uh, pointy shoes. boots, yeah, and long black wig with a a streak in it. Maybe Ooh. she's being the one at the monsters rather than what I, I don't know. Who's that? Was she? Called? Yeah, I don't know. Who you mean Mrs. Frankenstein? Um, what about Faye Brooks? I mean, I don't know what she's doing there. She dressed as a Playboy bunny or something. She's got she's got a kind of a pink sort. What is even that? Aaliyah? No, it's not Aaliyah Tard. Lily Munster. I was going to say her name's Lily, but I thought I was no, being I stupid. Know. What's this? Um, she's wearing a velvet pink Playboy bunny outfit with the cuffs, the white starched shirt cuffs that are not attached to anything, and the bustier and the and the little um, 
This is not Colour the best Halloween outfit. It's I have not Halloweeny. Not not scary in the slightest. Not, I'm not scared at all. Sorry, Faye Brooks, that's a fail for us. Now Harriet Bibby, she and um, uh, El Mulvaney have been a bit of, have done some posing. <laughs> El Mulvaney seems to have gone as an X Factor contestant. <laughs> is that scary? I don't know. Some might say that um, it steals your soul going on the X Factor. I don't know if there's more to the story that but she. she she's got some. She's got some pale blue us. jeans, a, a crop top on, and an X factor like number on her chest but she has got it's some pretty heavy got, dark eye makeup it's not even got a scary a number scary. like 666 or something no it hasn't has it um but how did it who's what would you describe as harriet bibby's outfit there this is definitely like scary harlequin sort of thing I don't she's know. like a scary um a nutcracker <laughs> <laughs> scary nutcracker she's got like She's got double sets of eyebrows. She's she, like, no, like she's, she's crying no, blood. She's made like a cartoon relief face. Like, you know how that style is where you make yourself look like a cartoon by you highlight the edges of your face so you oh, look like yeah. you're drawn. Yeah. And then she's got like little, uh, she's got teardrops on her eyes, which I think means she's murdered someone. Yeah, I thought it meant she was a prostitute. Why? You have that tattooed on your tear on your eye. Oh, that was no, it's when you kill someone. Oh yeah, that's right, isn't it? She's got um, she's got anyway, it's sex worker. <laughs> her out, she's got like blood down her legs. She's got a sort of uh, a marching it's... band outfit on, red, yeah. black, gold. Nice little, little shoulder epaulets. Yeah. Um, I I think that she did quite a good effort there. Did the I like stuff. that? Yeah. I think that she needs to inject a little bit of that sort of vibe into her portrayal of summer. Yeah, why she, not? She certainly looks far but, cry from the um the 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 the, the, the dumb um, whatever whatever of summer. Um, now Molly Gallagher, she is an um an evil angel. Yes, because she's got a normal outfit on, but she's got a halo made of black feathers. Yes, that's all there is to say about her. She's Good job. She always looks fabulous. Still looking very very, very blonde. Very nice. Good yeah. job. Nice choker with a heart on it. <laughs> Who's this? This is Jude Riordan. He looks <laughs> bloody terrifying. Actually, I don't think he sh- he's allowed to stay up late enough to see his own I don't mask. think he's allowed to look at himself in the mirror no. on this. This is actually terrifying. If I opened the door and a small child was just like, trick or treat, and looked like that, I think I'd boot <laughs> them in the face and close the door. Because <laughs> I think it was like, I'd be the beginning of a... Honestly, if this was a horror movie and somebody like that came to your door and you didn't boot them and close the door... You'd get murdered and everyone would blame you, wouldn't yeah, you? Yeah, he'd be asking for it. So he's wearing... He's a terrifying clown. He's got, like, the most hideous... It's a full-face mask with a with a wig attached to it. Bulging with, red eyes. Yeah, big big red nose and a gaping mouth with broken yellowed teeth protruding out in a, a big gaping maw of a, of a hole. Where yeah. And then underneath, faces. he's got like a black and white clown's outfit with some red red pom poms down the front, um, stripy black and white trousers. Yeah, that that is a that is a very good look there. Spooky dude. Um, that certainly made me um, start when I read this. And then the only other one I could find was Gareth Pierce, <laughs> who um, is just like vampire. He's just a vampire man, and I love this. Like this is by no means. Um, just Gareth Pierce, but I love how celebrities will go and they'll put on a massive outfit. But then they'll just take a picture of their face and it's like, it just looks like you with a slightly different collar than you usually wear. There, there might have been a bit more. Let me just have a little well, look because we got we got a, a, a close-up of his me. face there. Hang on a minute. We got you, a close-up. You, you maybe haven't selected the best pictures for me to, 
to see. Oh no, if I, if I scroll across on his Instagram story, there's a pumpkin and Well no, some more where's pumpkins. your coat? Where's your cloak? Yeah, I think he was dressed up as a classic Dracula. He looks like a but, Bram Stoker's um, Dracula, doesn't he? With a with a red lined cloak, long long satin black coat cloak and a Looks like he's gone to a lot of effort because he's even got a little brooch on his neck. Yeah, let's see the full thing, Gareth. But I can't see it properly, Gazzo. <laughs> Let me have a proper look at you. Who's your winner this Halloween, Gemma? I'm not going to pick a winner because everyone has done a fantastic oh. job. But maybe Jude because he's actually scary. But I don't like masks. <laughs> I actually don't like people I think Jude is the masks. scariest one. I think that Helen Flanagan has, um, has got the most realistic looking prosthetic makeup. But then Harriet Bibby did surprise me quite nicely with her with her scary nutcracker as you <laughs> put it. One thing I want to give a shout out to uh, Katie McGlynn because she's a chameleon. She she almost always looks completely different to I how know. she looks when she was in Coronation Street. And obviously she, she was she was only playing a character there. She wasn't portraying herself at all but I honestly think she could come back to Corrie just with a different hair and I think she'd get away with it because she just seems incredibly different <laughs> yeah, yeah, to yeah. Sinead so. I want to see her in some different roles right um, so what else have we got storyline wise was that part of the news that was the news that was the news you Corrie... storyline wise sorry story story oh. um, speaking of Halloween um, we can finally report on all these star tour guests that they've had recently at the Coronation Street tour last week they finished with a bang they had Richard Hillman himself, Brian Capron, um, uh, talking to the crowds at the Star Tours thing. I thought that was excellent. He was able to do that. I wish that there were we weren't people weren't allowed to record them, were we? When we were there and we had um, yeah. Sally Carmen, we weren't allowed to record her at all. It's such a shame. I don't know why that is, but I imagine it's for the comfort of the of the star because it can be. I also think. If you imagine if you're standing talking to a, a group of like 50 people and everyone has their phone in front of their mm. face, I think it would be really disconcerting. Yeah. So we had the, the four Halloween people that came in total. We had Brian Capron, we had Connor McIntyre who played Phelan, we had Jack P. Shepard turned up because David's a bit of a wrong one, and um, Mikey North came um, as uh, as Gary Windass. So not too bad. I don't know whether I'd really have included. Those are all great. No, they're, they're, no, they are all good. I'm just saying that if I'm going for villains, then having Gary and David is a little bit of a stretch. Yeah, but um, I I haven't heard from any but any of our listeners who have been to see any of these. Please, if you if you went to see these at the start tour, do let us know. Um, now, if you look on the Corrie Tour Instagram page, they've teased some more news about something for Wednesday next week um, so I don't know whether they're going to be announcing some kind of Christmassy tour thing this year wouldn't surprise me in the slightest if they do something nice and festive for anyone wanting to visit the set in December and also don't forget that Manchester has a very nice Christmas market yeah exactly double up um, but it could also be because I'm sure the precinct must be nearing completion by this point is this going to be the time when finally they officially unveil the precinct and maybe even the visitors centre because they've been very very quiet about that I don't even think it's been like officially announced that they're doing a visitors centre yet despite the fact that they've been building it for the past two and years or so we've been talking about it yeah, yeah so look out for that on Wednesday and um, there could be some news coming which we will of course be covering in next week's podcast um we mentioned this last week when we didn't have a proper news section, but Sue Cleaver is definitely doing I'm a Celebrity this year. Now, that starts on Sunday night, um, so I'm sure we'll be hearing all about the antics that Sue will be getting up to down under in the jungle. And I just found some quotes, because whenever they get some people on I'm a Celeb, they always have some interview about what they're going to think about it while they're doing it and everything. Sue Cleaver said, um, I'm a celebrity. The doing I'm a Celebrity, get me out of here, is never really something I considered doing before. But the pandemic happened 
happened and then this year I've just turned 59 and so I decided for my 59th I was going to shake things up a bit. I realised I needed something that would challenge me and I thought this show would be good and so that's why I'm doing it. Yeah, good for you. The scariest part for me is I'm a very private person and I'm putting myself out there which is what I am most nervous about. That did kind of surprised me a little bit because um, I mean, she, yeah, put, no, she opened very... up her Instagram account a couple of months ago, didn't she? And that was kind of what made me think that these rumours about her doing it were true. But from what we've seen of Sue in the last 10 years of doing the podcast, she is, is definitely quite a private person. Um, so it is going to be interesting to, to see what the real her is like. She says, um, viewers are going to see a very different person to the person that they think I am. I'm very different to Eileen, um, and that can be worrying. They might decide they don't like me as much as Eileen. Interesting. How interesting. Oh, I don't like people to feel, um, anxious about, about it, but I can totally, uh, sympathise because I feel the same way sometimes about worrying about, uh, what people think about you, but... I think um, I'm excited. I'm sure she's going to do great. Um, I, I think it's interesting. I can't remember whether um, who it was, but somebody messaged us uh, saying um, they seem to be just getting people from streetcars because they've had Sue Cleaver, they've had Simon Gregson, they've had Craig Charles. Yeah. So it's um, yeah, Joe Dutty next. Yeah. Going to be, uh, <laughs> be on next year's oh, Anderson. Oh, how funny would that be? You heard it here first. Um, and then speaking of um, well, good reality luck, TV, good luck, I mean, Sue Cleaver. Um, Will and Will and, um, and and Kim are still doing well on Is Strictly Come Dancing. It's still, I think it's going Did on until go? Christmas. Are you kidding me? So we're going to be double reality TV in next week. So straight eights for Will last week. He got thirty-two in total dancing to "Mama Told Me Not to Come" by Tom Jones and the Stereophonics. Kim got 34. She got a couple of eights and a couple of nines. Did a bit of a dance to Madonna's Frozen. And um, yeah, they, they both they both sailed on through. And um, they've gone... Um, Give yourself to me. Sorry, should I be dancing along to this? I didn't watch it. I don't know what the routine is. Anyway, that's it for news this week. Um, I'm, Done. I'm, 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 I'm curious about what this Corrie Tour news is going to be, but we'll just have to um, Vote wait for and Sue. see. Vote for, Vote for Sue and Sue. Kim. Vote for Kim. Vote for Will. Vote for everybody. Let's all support each other. Yeah. Yeah, great. Feedback time. Okay, feedback time. So we didn't do feedback last week, so some of what we're going to be reading out this week is leftover um, from before. But before we get on to that, we have got average scores for last week's Coronation Street, and the Facebook group scored it 3.24 out of 5, so it seemed like it was a bit of a so-so week for, uh, for the viewers. Um, last time, Jonathan gave it three vanilla slices, the mention of which is sufficient to revive Eileen out of five. Judith, on the other hand, scored it two and a half seahorses disguised as pterodactyls on a cappuccino. And uh, Richard was my pick of the week this week. He ranked it four karate chopping ten year olds out of five. Thank you, everybody who voted. And you can always, every week, go onto our Facebook group and, and give a score and, and tell us what you thought about it. Why don't it. you do it? Gemma, we got a new review on iTunes this week. Hurrah! Thank this you. This one came from from um, the other side of the world again. Gemma, do you want to read this one out? Um, absolutely brilliant. Five stars. Good. I'll give this review five stars. Yes. Yeah. Michael and Gemma always deliver an entertaining and informative roundup of the Crow Week that sometimes has me doubled up laughing. They're such a dynamic duo. Yeah. <laughs> they work incredibly hard for us to enjoy. Yeah. The Halloween special was outstanding. I could visualise every description and this episode was enthralling. We did after my begging last week. A few more people saying what that they liked that. It was a lot of work, so I'm really glad that you guys enjoyed it. It was really fun to what to, to write it. Yeah. Um, it says, 
the history and delivery of this was amazing. It needs to be picked up and made into a visual special because it was brilliant. Bravo, G and M. Thank, Thank you very you, much. Squidgy Thank G. you, Squidgy. Is it Squidgy or is it just Squidge? Squidge G. Squidge G. Squidge G. Um, Thank you. We, I absolutely adore doing it. I would love to write. Um, I've decided my uh, my calling in life is to write scripts for fictional I'm murders. A little, a, <laughs> a little bit of a side business there for you. <laughs> because Nora. it's okay. This is the thing. What? This is what I love about it. You can write. You can you can be as dramatic and hammy as you like about it because nobody actually really died, so you're not victimising anybody yeah you're not like you're not like preying on the dead (laughs) laura um has written to us from new zealand now she was the one that reviewed us a few weeks ago on itunes so she's uh she said um that she heard us read it out the other week which was so surreal because she didn't think that we'd both see it we get them sent to our inbox, Laura. Don't worry about that. Every single review we find out about. She says, um, as I'm in New Zealand, we are a bit behind. A week or two, I believe. I've just watched the scenes where Leo dies and I cannot believe all the hidden puns about Leo, like him being in the bin to Jenny. Now that is hilarious. I listen to your podcast each week before I see the scenes online, but with all your detail, I feel that I can imagine it all and it makes it great when I do watch it online as I feel I notice all the extra details that you point out. That's nice, isn't it? I'm also just seeing Dev and Bernie getting back together and I can't help but feel that they are mismatched. They just seem such an odd couple and I don't feel the spark between them on screen, although I do love both their characters. See, I think I'm the same way. I think it's odd. Um... I mean, Bernie's definitely not the sort of person that Dev would have classically gone for, is she? But I think they have made a thing out of the fact that Dev... Because he was, like, ashamed of going out with Bernie or or, or being interested in Bernie for a while, wasn't he? Um, It's funny seeing them get together, but I do feel like they feel like the sort of... Like, it feels like they're the sort of people where you like go to a, you like go on holiday and you go to the local pub and then there's this couple in the corner and you're like how the hell did they end up together <laughs> but they just seem so comfortable together and like they obviously what one lacks the other one has you know so mm. i don't know i just I, I as i always say let's see some early stages of their relationship bonding and maybe a bit of falling out and learning a bit about each other and everything are we just going to have nothing between them until the inevitable uh, bumps along the road in six months' time? I don't know. Um, but there's definitely more to come to this Burn and Fern storyline, hopefully soon. So I guess um, maybe we'll see a bit more of Dev in there. Um, Laura continues and says, Thank you for all the entertainment and recaps. I look forward to your podcast every week. I'm a teacher. Hooray. And recently my classroom burnt down. Oh my gosh. While cleaning up the mess and feeling how low, I listened to your podcast and it made all the difference to my mood and making me smile. That sucks. Your classroom burnt down. What? I know. I just said this and I thought that you didn't react. Nora's classroom burnt down a few weeks ago and she was listening to the podcast while she was cleaning it up. Oh my God. Why did you have to clean up your burnt down podcast, Laura? That's rubbish. Well, I hope that um, that you get these house sorted with her soon. Um, Oh, I hope that everything is okay and it all get replaced nicely and... You, I hope yeah. you didn't lose anything as well. Yeah. Like, You've got I know it's all kind of electronic probably. and everything now, but if I lost a load of my teaching stuff that I've been collecting be over upset, the years, I'd be jolly upset by oh. that. Well, let us know if you're okay. What's How our next you, team? I'm fine. Fiona yeah. says she thought it was very average last week. 
Summer and thingy pregnancy storyline is deathly dull. I'm glad it didn't go down the usual route of secret pregnancy. Well, guess what, Fiona? <laughs> he spoke too soon. But otherwise, it's been fairly predictable. Billy's pearl-clutching righteousness, Todd and Paul talk- taking opposing vo- points of view, Summer hand-wringing and feebly sighing about making a mess of the situation, and thingy being affably nondescript. The two random church people were too slick and weird to simply be after a kid. I'm predicting they're part of a Nirab-style cult and Summer is their mark. <laughs> now that would be interesting. Maybe they want to sacrifice the, ki- the baby. Yeah, maybe. Maybe. Have you seen Rosemary's Baby? Like I'm not, also not convinced that the Stu exoneration storyline is finished and I still think Lucy is the actual killer. It was a pretty quick turnaround from confession to jail for Lucy and Bridget. I know you saved time with a guilty plea, but the sentencing usually takes months to take place. Let's hope for a better week next week. Listen up, Fiona. P.S. Congratulations to Gemma being vindicated over her Philip Schofield views. I have disliked him since he was parked in that BBC broom cupboard in the mid eighties. There you go, well done, Gemma. Thank you. Yeah, well, you know, you know me. I, I hate everyone. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think you're right that this new storyline is definitely not over. I mean, I'm guessing that now we've got um, uh, what was his name? D- Dylan? No, D- D- Darian. Darian and Max working in Speed Dial. We're going to be seeing more of Yasmin and Stu there, so that's going to start bubbling up again. But um. Yeah, I, d- I definitely don't think it's as uh, as cut and dry as it initially seems. Um, Rebecca emailed us this week to say, Firstly, like Gemma, I was surprised that Gabrielle seems to have got away alive for the first time being. any uh, f- uh, Alive for the time being. Anyway, sorry. Maybe, like you said, she might return at Christmas. A nice Christmas death sounds good, and enough time will have passed between Leo's death by then. I'm like you, confused over the Audrey stuff with the money, but I'm wondering if Audrey needs to find out that the money's gone for the truth to come out. Maybe, like you said, the story needs to settle for a while and then come back in a few weeks. The Daisy and Daniel stuff was fun, but I also agree with the whole Daisy thinks she's moving to Denise's house and Daniel thinks he's moving to the pub mix-up. However, I'm really, really hoping Daisy living at number one is going to be brilliant, especially with Tracy coming back into the picture. Bertie calling Daisy mummy wasn't surprising from what Daniel, uh, from when Daniel got together with Nikki, I've been expecting Bertie to call one of his new girlfriends mummy. I also understand Beth kicking off too, but I did like Daniel comforting Daisy. Yeah, I think that there was definitely potential with Daisy and Tracy being under the same roof, but we've seen very little of it so far, haven't we, this week? Uh, The way I'm reading Peter being involved in the Griff story is the fact he doesn't like rich people like Thorne taking advantage, but Griff and his friends take it a step step further and are also racist and also against the establishment. Up to now, I don't think Peter has crossed that line. Like you said, it's nice of Corey to explore different areas of anti-fascism. Spider's involvement is just investigating Griff, who I'm betting is the ringleader, and he's got to show he's on their side, but he isn't. But when Toya finds out, she'll get mixed messages, and it might even take Spider getting seriously hurt to show her the truth. Like Gemma, I'm also a bit worried, but like you said two weeks ago, when they do hit a big story, they mostly don't do a bad job, and I've got a feeling this will be Corey's next big story. The Eileen stuff was amusing, and I'm also glad it seems to have been wrapped up in a week. I did kind of want George and Todd to keep it a secret from her, because I like the new calm Eileen, but like Todd said, it wasn't right to keep it a secret. Also loved Eileen throwing drink over Todd as well. 
Now, I'm thinking that the person who is talking to Hope is writing the book about John. There we go, we write about that one. Um, as Hope would just tell people without thinking. I agree with Michael, it's a bit stupid to have two John State books around at the same time, but it could still be Phil. Maybe that's just wishful thinking, as I'd love to have Jamie Kenner back. As for the martial arts stuff, I just think it's a way for Fizz to have doubts, and I don't think Tyrone is going to stray again. Well, not too soon, anyway. Agree with Summer. I agree that Summer will not have an abortion, but I did like the conflict with Billy. It's nice to have somebody who keeps his convictions despite what people think. And I'm starting to like Aaron more. He's a good stable figure to Summer, and maybe she needs someone like that with all her drama. He's <laughs> just a doormat for Summer, so she can get on with her whatever she decides her next whim is. You just we we got to have a man to get her pregnant, otherwise what would have, you know there wouldn't be a story, would there? No Character of the week is Daisy, and I'll give the week three and a half times. Peter was told he was an alky liver fella out of five. Gemma, back to you. We got one from Nancy. Yes. Richard, sorry, we've got Richard. We got Richard and Nancy. Which one yeah. do you want to do? I'll do Richard. She said, hope. He said, hope you are both well and have had a great week. I know that the Eileen visiting Heron storyline is silly, to put it bluntly, but I've loved it. The staff storyline has added as a really good filler to the more serious stuff going on and has given a very underutilised Eileen a storyline involving her nemesis, Gail. This has made a strong week from my perspective, but I realise it won't have been to everyone's taste. Mm. See, I think it's a good example of how a simple, silly, throwaway story can be entertaining and sort of involve characters acting in I don't know I'm just trying to I'm just trying to work out why why was that interesting to me and and Richard and why was the stuff with the roof not yeah because they both do have characters in that we like they're both nothing but nothing happened really did it nothing really real has happened well I think like we said last week we kind of enjoyed nice smiley Eileen and the Stu- Ruth storyline has just been people being angry at each other, hasn't it? Maybe yeah, it's to do and with I just, that. I just, I'm not convinced that people are acting as ca- their own characters in that story. Whereas I really liked how the Eileen stuff actually developed her character a bit. Yeah, yeah, maybe it's that. I don't know. Um, finally, we have got Nancy who says, I feel the extreme racism storyline will be an important one for Coronation Street. They've done a good job of introducing Griff and setting the story up. I reckon that Spider, Toya or Peter could be hurt here. This, fasc- this is fascinating because we'll get to see how Griff operates and what he thinks. It's great to see all the different viewpoints. Spider's secret could be exposed because he's trying to infiltrate Griff's group. And his interest in the environment, Griff's interest in the environment, could be a cover. It'll be interesting to see Toya's reaction to it all in any case. In America, some right-wing groups do not believe climate change exists. I think that's probably the same all around the world, isn't it? Um, it makes sense that eco-warriors and environmentalism may go hand-in-hand, hand, though, but it's not clear to me what Toya's motivation is in removing her wedding ring. Peter needs more friends as well. We didn't talk about that too much last week, did we? That throwaway thing where Toya takes her wedding ring off. They're just Shocking. basically going, right, everyone. Move on, forget. move on. Imran's dead. Get yeah, over get with over it. it. Deal with it. New, new man on the block. Um, Nancy gave last week's episode three out of five phones that Stephen destroyed and the character of the week for her was Spider but loved Daisy too and that is it we have reached the end of the podcast um, quick shout outs to a new Patreon we've got this week it is uh, Louis or is it Lewis I don't know what do you reckon Louis um, Lou, 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 you go, oh, thank you, Lou, <laughs> like that, like and then you that. don't have to thank you very much. yourself. Yeah. Thank you very much. Very much appreciate Actually, well, can we, we'll just, we'll just take that bit out, mm-hmm. take, all, take all that bit out, and we'll just cut it, 
cut it to now and we'll say thank you to our new patrons, Lewis and also Louis. Yeah, yeah. And then well, whichever one's yeah. right. Yeah. Thank okay, you. all right. Don't worry, I've sorted it out. <laughs> oh, we're done. We are Please done. Please let us know um, so that we can say your name correctly and thank you properly because we do love I our patrons. I think it's Louis. And um, we are going to be doing a new episode about for our patrons this week at some point this, uh, week? this month sorry but don't forget also we had a special bonus episode about spooky movies that oh, i yes. blathered on about for an hour yeah we um, recorded that last sunday i forgot about so, oh, no, it was last saturday wasn't it we so um uh it was halloween themed but also don't forget you can watch scary movies anytime and it's now it's dark and spooky well in the northern hemisphere anyway so if you want to be spooked out and you want some movies to watch and also some not to watch Although I did, one of the films I did talk about was called The Cleanse and I ragged on it and then I told my friends about it this week and they all think it sounds hilarious and they want to watch it. <laughs> I will just explain, the, the description was far more entertaining than the film itself, so don't bother. Okay. If you would like to get in touch with us before next week's podcast, we are at conversationstreet at gmail.com. Um, please, if you would like to go the same way as Squid G, go over to iTunes and give us a review. Five stars would be lovely. Um, we are on Instagram. Uh, we're on Twitter at conversationstreet. Still working our way up towards the next multiple of thousand. I can't remember what we're on now, but um, we're not getting loads of new Twitter followers. I think we've reached a good... Good proportion of the Coronation Street Twitter well, audience, and who knows what's going to happen when Elon Musk gets his claws into it. Well, he's it. already got his claws in it. Just to just to be topical here, we were trying to get to ten thousand um, followers because once you get once you hit that threshold, it's easier oh, yeah, to get, to a get blue verified tick. and get a blue tick. But now he's saying you got to pay five pounds. I think we could get a blue tick no matter what if we wanted to pay for it. So. Shocking, Honestly, shocking. I think blue tags is just going to be a sign of being a loser. <laughs> Don't you think? Maybe. It's going to be it's going to be like only only like a movie, you know, like a big businesses and stuff are going to bother doing that. I think it's going to be the sign that you're a big nerd and you want to give Elon Musk money. Maybe. Honestly. I don't know. I don't know. Where are we going to go, everybody? We need to find a new Twitter. Well, Instagram. Although I will is... say, one of my favourite things at the moment. <laughs> going through Twitter and seeing all the blue check check people going this is outrageous this is terrible this is this is an assault on free speech I can't believe it and I'm like ha ha Um, that's what you get showing off we're, if you, 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 you can still go back to Facebook even though I'm like my Facebook app is just Instagram. rubbish now I don't know what they've done with Facebook but I'm finding loads of stuff on there that I don't want to see there but we're there we're on we're on the on our conversation street group there we're on youtube you can go and see me having a lovely old chat with charlie jordan on youtube and, and various other things this week i re-uploaded the character profile of erica holroyd remember her she's played by claire king of emmerdale fame that went up on our youtube channel on thursday and no doubt there'll be more next week and if like louis slash lewis you want to um, get even more Conversation Street content, you can head over to patreon.com slash Conversation Street and uh, maybe sign up there, should you wish. That's it. Yeah. It's, it's seven o'clock on Saturday night. I need to get this podcast out because people are probably foaming at the mouth to hear about what we thought about um, Ken's roof. So, and I um, want to see some fireworks. Gemma wants to watch some fireworks. I could do with Hooray. another cup of tea, to be honest. Oh, you so want me to make you a cup of tea? We'll leave it there. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Thank you for waiting. And um, Thank we'll you, see everybody. you next time. Hope that you enjoyed this episode. Don't forget, whether you agree or disagree, please feel free to write in with your thoughts about what happened. We'll read them out and everybody can um, enjoy. Yeah.
Yeah. Bye, everybody. Bye. The music for this episode came from podcastthemes.com.